Episode 101, Marvel versus Marvel. The yin and the yang of the Marvel experience. I'm Robin. He's Will. Yeah. And in part one, we uh, we did we did a lot. We really took you through 2018 to look at the context of when this movie came out. We uh, took a look at the making, the behind the scenes of the the history of this this movie getting mm. made. And uh, a lot of waffle for a lot of people. Um, we read your thoughts and your opinions on this movie. We paid uh, some bills and paid the pensions of the people that really matter. And, mm-hmm. and talking specifically about the world-class wrecking crew. And if you don't know, get to know. I'm talking about Peter J, Brandon Schmigilski, Zach Thomas, Bastabeer, Sam, Bindi, Soupy. I'm talking about Jack Davis. Zubair Q and David Fan, our eternal thanks and gratitude to those top, top supporters on patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. They give the most um, to support this show, to support these episodes, to let us do incredible things like episode 100, where we went back and looked at the Marvel superheroes in 1966 and charted the history of Marvel comics, and let us do fun rides like the MCU, like we're doing today with Ant-Man and the Wasp. We announced some awesome cool things for December. The X-Men Super Show. The live yes. show being released on Christmas Day. And indeed, the release of one of our amazing bonus episodes from Patreon coming out from behind that paywall. It's not shy. It's going to frolic in the wild uh, on January 1st. And that's our Amalgam Comics Deep Dive. Tons and tons of awesome things in part one. We're ready now. After all our talk of DVD sales, Will, we're ready for you to uh, put that disc in. <laughs> Have to wait for the uh, loading screen. <laughs> the FBI warning or the yeah. uh, whatever warning we have in this country. Do you remember those terrible DVDs where they would play tr- unskippable trailers as well? Oh, oh no. Brutal. Awful. Awful. We don't have that here. Luckily, when Will presses play, it just happens. Just happens. So, anyway. Anyway. I'm pressing play now. In 1987, Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne say goodbye to their young daughter Hope before heading on a business trip. Little does Hope that, no-, no, wait, because that sounds rude. That sounds like, oh, sorry. are being served? They're actually going on a shagging holiday. <laughs> they're, they're allowed to do that. They uh, are, <laughs> yeah, but is so that what you meant? It's not. It's a secret uh, mission. There we go. I was just okay. about to say, actually, little does okay. Hope know that her parents are actually on a secret mission. There we go, Rob. That would have... Never mind, you've interrupted. <laughs> As Ant- on a business trip. <laughs> business... I, okay. That's going to pop up again, isn't it? As Ant-Man and the Wasp to prevent a Soviet ICBM hitting the U.S., as the missile draws closer to the eastern seaboard, Hank realises that the only way to get through the missile's plating is to shrink to subatomic levels. However, doing so would mean no coming back. Hank's regulator was damaged, leaving the Wasp to do the brave thing and go subatomic, deactivating the bomb, but becoming lost in the quantum realm. Back home, a distraught Hank Pym tells his daughter that his mother, sorry, that her mother isn't coming home. Retelling the story back in the present to Hope, Hank wonders that if Scott Lang was able to come back from the quantum realm, then Janet, Dar- Janet Van Dyne might still be alive. 
Dusting off some old plans, Hank reveals the blueprints for a quantum tunnel. Something that could bring his wife back. Solid start there. Brings up to speed. Something tragic from the, uh, from the, from the last film. And sets up what they're going to do very quickly. Love it. Yeah, I, I felt that it was a bit like um, it, what happens in the comics to Captain America and Bucky. They're on a missile heading for Washington. Yeah, the partner gets killed yes. whilst the, the main hero survives. And I felt that was an odd. That was odd. For, but I mean, Cap isn't using that, so they might as well use yeah. it. Here, I guess. Ah, <laughs> uh, I just did it on my own, lads, and he fell off a train. You can have the missile doodah. Yeah, you can have the doodah. Also, great de aging. Although I don't know, I don't think Michelle Pfeiffer looks that old anyway. Michelle Pfeiffer does not need de aging. She's like, as Bruno Mars once said, Michelle Pfeiffer, that white gold, the uh, white gold, gold. Yes. Um, something else, man. She, but yeah. but it was it was good de aging. It was a good it was, it was, a good blast it was, of it. I think it always has been in 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 Marvel. In Marvel, I'm just thinking about that Indiana Jones film where they really spent a lot on the de aging, and it was like, oh yeah, but he still speaks the same. So Hank Pym losing his wife here. Has anything like this happened in the comics? Um. Well, I think as we talked about in our in our first Ant Man movie, mm. um, Ant Man uh, and the Wasp were always in the comics. Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne, mm. um, all the way through from the from the sixties and stuff. Um, it's not sort of part of. He doesn't, he doesn't have this tragic backstory of her dying on an early mission or anything like that. Um, but something like this does happen. Mm. Uh, we've covered it in our Secret Invasion bonus episode. Oh, trying to remember. So when the Skrulls invade, uh, they go from a secret invasion to a uh, not-so-secret invasion, <laughs> and a rather in-your-face invasion, a, a rather what, what we, obvious invasion. I would just call it a regular invasion. An a invasion, regular invasion. Just an invasion, if you will. They finish the secret bit and just go to a regular one with mm. guns and fighting in Central Park. Um, and they're getting their tushes kicked by the gathered superheroes who have been able to kind of, like, put aside their their suspicions and paranoia and fear from the secret aspect of the invasion. And they have indeed teamed up with a variety of supervillains who are like, we live on the Earth too. <laughs> we don't want to be ruled by scrolls. Um <laughs> So it, it, the invasion switches to then be a, a kind of a suicide mission, um, and the the leader of the the scrolls activates, or no, the chief science, whatever, has a contingency plan. Hmm. One big part of the secret invasion is that many superheroes have been replaced for a long time by scrolls. One of the people that's been replaced for a long time is Hank Pym. Ah, okay. And um, part of what this uh, this scroll infiltrator did as Hank Pym was create a a hail mary backup plan suicide uh, final ditch, which was to give a new growth serum to Janet Van Dyne, ah, a new yes. size altering serum, and what it did just tampered with her biology so when it was activated in the middle of this fight as the scrolls are losing it transformed her into this monolithic giant explosive bioweapon 
that um, was going to explode on command and it was going to kill all life on the earth and ravish the planet. The scrolls were like, if we can't have it, no one will have it. Um, they were known as anti-PIM particles bouncing around her system, transforming her biology and DNA. Uh, uh, to save everyone, Thor commits essentially a mercy killing. Ooh. And he uses Mjolnir um, and its sort of transdimensional properties to scatter her physical form throughout the universe so that there will be a series of much smaller explosions um, rather than one that destroys a planet. And he, he kind of kills one of his oldest friends at the end of this climactic battle to save the Earth. So, yeah, quite sad. It's quite sad, but the opposite of consolidating Janet Van Dyne in easy-to-pay loans. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I can't. Yeah. When, I, when I think about spreading out things, all I can think is, have you thought of Debt. consolidating your loans? Well, that's all I think about, Rob. That's, Just yeah, that's Britain. That's, that's Britain in 2023. All I think about is debt. Back to the film. Scott Lang is still under house arrest due to his involvement with the Avengers in violation of the Sokovia Accords, but is still allowed visits from his daughter, Cassie. While playing an elaborate spy game with Cassie using cardboard boxes and props, Scott accidentally sets off his ankle tag. Scott's house is then swarmed with FBI agents led by Jimmy Woo. Scott only has a few days left of house arrest, but rules are rules. While he's there, Jimmy checks with Scott if he's had any contact with Hank or Hope, as they're currently wanted for providing Scott with his equipment. After Scott's ex-wife Maggie and her new husband Jim Paxton collect Cassie, Scott has three days of house arrest left to himself. While relaxing in the tub, Scott has flashbacks to his time in the quantum realm, leading to a vision where he sees himself in Janet Van Dyme's body. Taking this as a sign and as something more than a dream, Scott decides to get in contact with Hank, telling him what he saw. Uh, loved, as I said before, loved the uh, lovely relationship with, uh, with his ex-wife and new partner. Wonderful. As I said, this needs to be normalised. Such a wonderful dynamic. Uh, also, <laughs> yes, it's the Bruce Willis-Ashton Kutcher relationship. Oh, because oh, of Demi Moore. You're not, you're not, you're not aware of anything I outside of video games and Simpsons. No, no. There's quite, quite famously, they had, they were going holidays together. Oh. Br- Bruce became very good friends with Ashton, and this whole bizarre, well, it felt like bizarre kind of, yeah, oh, yeah, love triangle, three way love triangle came up. Yeah, eh, okay. Like, I mean, going on holidays together is a bit weird, but. You know, spending time, that's fine. Also, the house arrest montage, loved it. This is exactly what I'd be if I was him. I'd be trying to learn useless skills. I would be playing musical instruments I had no idea. This, no- this happened to you for two years. It was called lockdown. What, did you learn the drums? No. <laughs> I did, but, you know, I, I, did, I, I did this podcast. Yeah, did that. True, I tried true. to do Twitch streaming. I... Yeah, I didn't do much, did I? Bloody no, hell. no one did. None of How did. dare this, you? This, I'm this, depressed now. <laughs> This whole thing of, of uh, like, the, the, the threat of house arrest is no threat to me anymore. As I know, <laughs> ah, that'd be fine. I did um, two years of house arrest. You're not going to end up like Uncle Junior and get all, all like, 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 make up for funerals to yeah, go to. That's it. Just become a chain <laughs> funeral attendant. That was such a funny thing on The Surprise. Anyway, uh, Cassie Lang, played by uh, Abby Ryder Forston. Brilliant brilliant from the word go yet again the relationship between her and father is just 
wonderful. Like you scared and she's like, I eat fear for breakfast. It's like, yes, this she's is one great, of the yeah. best child actors I've seen. Yeah, oh, she's great. Love her. She's absolutely brilliant. So Cassie Lang, what can you tell us about Cassie Lang from the comics? Well, she's introduced right at the very, very start of Scott Lang's um, first appearance mm-hmm. uh, in, in the 1970s, um, 80s, 80s. Um, uh, she's uh, ill. She has a congenital heart condition. Mm. And that is the impetus for um, Scott to steal Hank Pym's Ant-Man equipment and Pym particles and try to have her heart cured. And that's kind of the the thing that, that, that is the, the driving force of him you know, continue to break the law and yeah. and, and do this kind of stuff. Because remember them handling that story in an episode of Avengers: Earth's Mightiest Heroes, and I was like, yeah, ah, they do. that's how they yeah. bring in Scott Lang. That was that was interesting. And then after her parents get divorced, um, Cassie lives for most of her childhood with Scott, um, and she knows that he's he tries to keep his Ant Man activities hidden from her, but she eventually finds out. Mm. And she admires him greatly, and she kind of grows up around the other superheroes, and you know, calls calls Iron Man Uncle Tony and stuff because oh, of all the time they she's sort of spent at the Avengers Mansion, and she does experiment with pin particles and cause some accidents and stuff over the years. Oh, interesting! Um, and then, and then, Wonder the Scarlet Witch kills all the Avengers, destroys the Avengers. Um, ah. Goes insane, destroys Avengers Mansion, kills the Vision, um, kills Hawkeye, kills Jack of Hearts, and indeed Ant Man is also killed in this uh, in this insane turn of events called Avengers Disassembled. Damn it, Wanda! Typical Wanda behavior, <laughs> destroying everything. <laughs> and that has you know like a real big effect on 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 cassie oh, and it's imagine. it's it's losing her her dad but also like her whole world was mm. through him her were all her friends were the avengers <laughs> and and she only kind of got into that because of her dad she loved the mansion you know she loved living with him and and so when she when he dies and she has to go and live with her mom she kind of hates it oh. um she ends up running away from home oh. And she absconds to the ruins of the Avengers Mansion, hmm. where she accesses secret, hidden panels and stuff, and finds some of her father's abandoned equipment and costumes. Ooh. Then joins up with another bunch of teenage heroes: Iron Lad, Patriot, Hulkling, Wiccan, and Kate Bishop, the new Hawkeye. Hmm. She takes the Pym's particles. She dons the costume. She becomes. Stature, stature, stature. She becomes grows to great size and great height. So <laughs> becomes stature. Excellent. Instead of like giant girl or whatever, and yeah, yeah. and and joins the young Avengers. Um, mm. And guess what, Will? Guess what? We got a bonus episode all about the young Avengers on our Patreon. We do take a deep dive. You know, if you've seen the Marvels, you know what's coming. Yes. Um, we we got a bonus episode already for you on that one. Sign up in December right now, and you can just get access to everything we've got and, and pick and choose and all that fun stuff. But yeah, Cassie, a good, fun character. Most of her stuff is with the Young Avengers um, as she becomes a teenager. Her older stuff, she's uh, kind of hanging out with her dad uh, and, and, and the Avengers. Excellent. After being knocked out, Scott wakes up in a car with Hope Van Dyne driving. 
Panicking, Scott tells Hope that he's under house arrest, but Hope reveals that they and the car have been shrunk and Scott's ankle bracelet has been attached to Scott's giant pet ant at his house. Hope reveals... So, here's a little thing about me. Yeah. I hate slash... I don't know if fear is the right word. Mm. I am disgusted. I cannot look at giant insects. Yeah. So I get that you. includes close-ups of. So if, if there's a close-up of an, mm. of, an, of an insect's face or body, I can't. I hate it. So this and, scene wasn't whimsical oh, to you. Oh, <laughs> no, that thing playing the drums and everything. Jesus. <laughs> Just, uh, I just can't handle it, man. I really, I really, I struggled in the first Ant Man film with the giant ants. Yeah, I can imagine and stuff. Yeah, um, I, I, I get oh. it. I'm not so bad. I think maybe, mm, I think it's more seeing things in person on, on film. I'm like, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's behind a screen. It I also bet- depends on the size, yes. right? So mm. I remember Eight Legged Freaks, which is a fun film. Yeah, I heard about that. Um, one. Yeah. When they grow, like, when they're like kaiju size. Mm. It's somehow fine. Yeah. It's when they're as big as a person. Yeah, yeah, or a dog. Or a bit bigger, a dog. Oh, don't yeah, I see that? Yeah. Or uh, if they're the size of my fist, that's a bit much as well. Kind like, of. Well, yeah, in like real life. Like a tarantula life. size. But, I don't like... But, mm. but on, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a bit of mm. media, I'm a kind of okay. But Bloody hell. There's a certain size where I just can't You shouldn't play Fallout it. ever. Uh, there was... Um, I remember my mum told me she had a fear of cockroaches but you know she doesn't she, it's a very internalized fear like she doesn't kind can't really understand why but she also saw me she had a fear of uh nodding donkeys you know those nodding things the uh the oil oil well things you know, the, okay the pump thing. yeah and then one day when i first moved to london uh, she, she used to come up and visit me like you know a lot when i was first moving up there just to make sure how i am we went for a day out at the science museum the london science museum and you went you, to the nodding, nodding donkey cockroaches. Next, next to the nodding donkeys it <laughs> were some cockroach outfits for kids. <laughs> and she looked at me and went, "Why did you bring me?" <laughs> I've never, I've never. I've, I've, two I've, fears in one place. I think it's like a regionality thing. I've never seen a, a cockroach in, in real life. We don't tend to have them in no, no, in never. The UK. I've, I've seen one it's in not zoos. A thing. I've seen them yeah. in zoos, but yeah, yeah, cockroaches. I think they're more of like a Asia and America, so that sort of yeah. thing, maybe. I yeah. don't, maybe Africa. They don't look nice. I don't think I would like them. Yeah, and then you hear about some that can fly, and I'm like, well, I'm out. Yeah. That's awful. No, I'm out. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Hope reveals that she and Hank have been keeping an eye on Scott since the incident in Germany. Arriving at a dilapidated... That's civil war that they're referring to, the Catbreaker civil war. Yes, the civil, the civil war, the big punch-up in the, in the uh, airport. Punch-up in the car park. Punch-up in the car park, as my mate put it. Arriving at a dilapidated building and resizing the car... Hope leads Scott inside. The building is a front for a secret high-tech laboratory. Hank and Hope, along with an army of giant ants, Rob, giant ants, are constructing a huge (coughs) device that dominates the entire lab. After a rather frosty and brief greeting from Hank, Scott learns from Hope that they have been building a quantum tunnel that can be used to enter the quantum realm and save Janet. Hank explains that they tested the device around the same time Scott had his vision. Scott and Janet must have become quantumly entangled and Janet was using Scott to send a message. <clears throat> I got a lot of laughs in the dialogue here, especially about the entanglement bit. And he's like, I would do that. To, you know, I would do that to you. You become entangled with my wife, basically. The whole. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think if this is around the time that that weird um, Will Smith uh, and his wife, if you came out where oh. she revealed that 
she didn't. She said it's not like I've been having an affair or a relationship. With someone. She said, "Oh, I was entangled with someone else." Yeah, and that entangled became like a thing for the for a year at least. Right. I I remember the whole thing coming out, uh, and, and you know, I tried not to pay too much attention because it seemed like a lot of dirty laundry being aired in public, and I was like, "You guys do whatever you do." <clears throat> I, 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 you know, I just hope you're happy. When someone shoves dirty laundry in your face, Will, publicly, hmm. it's not really a failing to take a look at the undercrackers. <laughs> if you're sneaking around their back garden looking, there's not something, there's something wrong with you. Something wrong with but you. if they put it on telly, I mean... Yeah, okay, you, you've made a very good point there. Very good point. Hope is startled when Scott tells her about the dream involving Hope playing hide-and-seek with her mother. Reciting the details confirms that this wasn't a dream, but a vision from her past. This is proof that Janet is still alive. With newfound enthusiasm, Hope and Hank head out to find the last component they need. While Scott is worried about being caught for violating his house arrest, Hope ensures him that they'll be wrapped up by lunch. As Hank changes vehicles, shrinking down the car and resizing a van from a case he keeps, Hank also shrinks the building they were in and loads it into the back of the van. As they drive away, a shimmering, ghostly figure watches them. So, having a Hot Wheels car case for all your shrunken vehicles, that's inspired. Inspired. (laughs) It's like when further with the tank keychain from the last film, and also shrinking the building complete with a luggage case handle. Loved it. It was just like loved it. They knew what they were doing. They knew what comedy like hits to do, and loved it. Loved it. So does this happen a lot? They're like shrinking objects and cars to do this kind of thing because I I can't imagine that the film's doing this first because they must have had a fun time all the decades of doing Ant Man comics and the Avengers and stuff with him. Well, weirdly, it doesn't happen for ages. Oh, that's a shame. Because it's um, the pin particles are a gas that you breathe in, right? So you can't. Yeah, okay. Then it gives you the power to, and then as the years progress, um, basically Hank and Janet have uh, ingested so much of the of the gas, the pin particle gas, mm. that they can do change at will. Yeah, okay. there isn't. There isn't for, for throughout the sixties and seventies and most of the eighties. There isn't this ability to shrink other things. Mm. <clears throat> there are occasions when they have to. Uh, another superhero needs to help to shrink down or whatever, and Ant Man has to take them the gas to breathe in. Mm. But you know, a car can't breathe in gas. Mm. So, yeah, not really. And then at the end of the nineteen eighties, we get this kind of interesting. Progression for Hank Pym, right? Where he abandons his superhero life, uh, abandons the costumes and the names and everything and different identities, but he does. He ends up joining in an advisory capacity the West Coast Avengers in California. Okay, very nice. So this is a uh, Hawkeye and his wife Mockingbird move out to California, and they set up a branch of the of the Avengers, which Hawkeye is going to run and be in charge of. And he's joined by um, Rhodey as Iron Man, um, mm. uh, someone called Tigra, uh, Wonder Man's there as well. And Hank Pym joins a bit later on as their scientific advisor and, and this kind of consultant. Um, and his thing is, there's lots I can do in the realm of helping the world and even superhero helping the world mm. without being Ant-Man or putting on a costume and doing stuff. Yeah. I can solve all your problems, and I can help do this, that, and the other. 
um, and I can come up with tech for you and and he does actually fight in the field and I have distinct memories of one issue I've got of this where he wears this kind of like dark red jumpsuit with loads of pockets and when he <laughs> when he has to fight in the in, in the field yeah. he doesn't he's not Ant-Man it's it, it's like just Dr. Pym is what you call him I'm s- he all okay. I can see right he's now talk about a jumpsuit is- <laughs> No, no, no! All I can see right now is uh, Venture, Venture, bro- you know who's the Venture brothers' dad? Yeah, Rusty, yeah, Rusty Venture. All I can see is that when you say red jumpsuit, like all I'm seeing is Rusty Venture. So when he's in battle, he's got all these pockets, <laughs> and he puts his hands in his pockets, and he'll produce tiny objects that he's shrunken down. Basically, his pockets ah. are full of guns, weapons, and all manner of scientific gadgets. That he's invented and shrunk, and he'd mm. never done that before. Right, um, and it's like a seemingly endless supply. I forget what the actual, you know, he's obviously found a different way of of using the pin particle to shrink things. They don't have these shrink discs at this stage, but he's obviously found another way of doing it. Um, so I can't think of any other examples of that before this this West Coast Avengers Doctor Pym era in the eighties, where he isn't Ant Man anymore, but he's still doing something. I really, really enjoyed that as a kid. Mm. I had an affinity for characters who found cool and unique ways to do superhero stuff. Maybe didn't necessarily have powers, but they were good at... I don't know. I can't quite describe it, but I really enjoyed some characters where they did some stuff. I I think it's the fun and the whimsy and it's something appealing like to a child. It's like, oh my God, all these things in my pockets that I can fit in and resize. It's like there's something... No, it wasn't quite that. I I can't think of other examples, but I had an affinity for characters that were nearly superheroes, but not quite, and they did one interesting thing. I can't quite describe it. I'm not describing it very well, but anyway. I know what you mean. Parking the van outside a lavish hotel, Hank and Scott wait inside so they can monitor Hope, who heads in to make a a deal with a black market dealer, Sonny Birch. However, Hope's cover is blown by Birch, who knows who she is and what her and her father have been doing with the parts he sold them. Realising the profit potential with their quantum technology, Birch double-crosses Hope, taking the money. As Hope accepts defeat and confidently walks out, Hank tells Scott to keep watching. Uh, like, like in the letter section, I'm really happy to see Walton Goggins in this. Uh, absolutely, he's got so much time for him. Uh, obviously, in, in the films he's been in, uh, I loved him in Vice Principles and, of course, in The Righteous Gemstones, uh, playing Uncle Baby Billy. He just does a great job in that. And kind of, I guess, big... Bigger or biggest claims to fame or earlier claims to fame, of course, the Shield. Yep. Um, and um, what's the one with Oliphant? Justified as well. Oh, okay. Um, where he's uh, Justified's quite interesting. Oliphant goes back to his hometown because he's killed too many people in the line of duty, <laughs> and they're like, "You need to chill out, man. We don't, we don't want you in this national whatever anymore." Yeah. And so he becomes, I don't know, the the sheriff of his hometown again, and his old buddy. Mm. Or he grew up with Walter Goggins' character. Yeah, is kind of like rising through the ranks of the ne'er do wells, and uh, so yeah. it's kind of like criminal cop have this strong connection to their past. Both yeah. come from dodgy families, and yeah. it's a, it's a, another great Walter Goggins' performance. I need to say, I mean, you sold me with uh, Timothy Oliphant anyway, so it's it's a bit. Um, 
I'm not sure if you how you'd get into it because it's not. It's there's not, a little bit of an overarching story. Is it not bit, prestige drama? Would you say then? It's hard because it's very well made, mm. and it's and there is there is element, but but it's a bit more like. Um, one-off story, yeah. one-off story, yeah. element of a story arc for the season, one-off story. So that's, I, don't, I don't know if you'd struggle. That's what put me off the shield. I tried it, got why people like it, but I was like, no, it's not for me. I would, I would say you're. I would say that the shield is is much more in the area of a prestige drama. Oh, I, I didn't feel. <laughs> I, I just didn't feel it. it. Felt too much like a network television show to me. I. It I, certainly predates them because it was the first. It was, yeah, it was I, I get it. 20, it's, it was. It's like twenty four era. Yeah. It was like when know? I tried to watch Oz and I went, ah, I get it. That's, I, I give up. Anyway, anyway, as Birch starts to walk out with his henchmen, they are suddenly attacked by Hope wearing an Ant Man costume with wings. As Birch retreats with his men, Hope brings the fight to the hotel kitchen, enlarging a salt shaker to block the exit. After dodging and shrinking between <clears> attacks, <throat> Hope takes out all of Birch's men. Confidently striding past the defeated Birch, she hands him the money and takes the component from him. But before Hope can exit the hotel, the ghost-like figure appears before her and tries to take the component. Hope has trouble landing attacks on the ghost, which seems to phase through solid matter. Realising that Hope is in danger, Hank gives Scott a new Ant-Man suit. The fight in the kitchen, incredibly entertaining. I mean, that giant salt shaker blocking the door yeah. is great. And... and Again, I just love the resizing stuff in this film. There's, there's a real sense of creativity and wonder with it. Absolutely. And this is something that the movies do better for the comic than the comics. Just, wow. Just in, in, in terms of the way that kinetic motion can be depicted in, in a moving picture yes. is completely different to how it can be done on the page yes, in I static images. Mm. Um Albeit we call it we call it sequential art and sequential yeah, storytelling, yeah, yeah. but they are static, and the 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 way in which you can depict fights and and or motion and interaction things is very different. Um, and it, a, a car chase in a movie is always going to be more thrilling than a car chase in a comic book, absolutely. Um, and 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 some fight scenes are are, are are kind of go the same way, but the way in which they can move things so quickly, yeah, um, oh, and, and and create this this wonderful intricate i mean i think a lot of people may have have looked at this character uh from from a filmmaking perspective and and thought to themselves what so what's he gonna do he's gonna be small all the time it it takes it takes a great vision like you said creativity and imagination to go but if he does it quickly all this cool stuff could happen Mm. and if they can make other things big and small we've got can do this that the other yeah i think it's it's, it's just wonderful wonderful this one of the film's major strong points arriving on the back of a flying ant scott enters to help hope after scott kicks the ghost to the floor it disappears from sight suddenly the ghost appears in the van phasing its hand through hank's neck demanding the quantum tunnel scott and hope return to the van with hank in one piece but the miniaturized lab is missing with nowhere left to go hank hope and scott crash at XCOM. scott's <laughs> company he runs with his XCOM friends louise kurt and dave so ghost is the character's name uh i take it they're, they're an ant-man villain in the comics no oh okay no um not from the ant-man comics the ghost is an iron man villain Ooh, okay 
and for my money, the coolest Iron Man villain of all time. Okay, that's a good claim. Now, uh, the ghost is a male character in the comics, not a female character. Mm-hmm. Um, just in case, that's uh, because it's it's who the person. It, so, created in the mid eighties by the classic Iron Man creative team, David Micheline and Bob Layton. The ghost is this genius inventor and hacker, but the main thrust of the character is that he's an anti-capitalist saboteur, which is very cool in Iron Man comics. He's the anathema to Iron Man. The character is so mysterious that even 35 years after first appearing, we know virtually nothing about his real identity, his real name, background, complete mysteries. Um, He gets arrested at one point, and the cops are like, yeah, we took the mask off and did the fingerprints, and we don't know who this guy is. He's not in any system. He has no record. This guy has literally wiped himself from the grid completely. <laughs> no um, fingerprints. Just so. So Iron Man first encounters. So the, the Tony Stark buys a company, and then a lot of stuff is going wrong at this company. Disturbances at this new tech company. Um, someone is like clearly. Sabotage. They suspect sabotage, but there's no evidence. Nothing on camera, no eyewitnesses. It's a literal ghost in the machine causing all the problems. Ah, love it. Right? Love so, it. <clears throat> and, and obviously that's where I imagine the kind of idea for the character comes from. Hmm. Iron Man goes to investigate and finally sees this, this new person in an all-white tech costume that can turn invisible and walk through walls, become intangible, completely undetected by any equipment. And Iron Man interferes with the sabotage, and the ghost is like, swears vengeance on Tony Stark. I'm going to kill Tony Stark. And this freaks Tony Stark out. An invisible, unstoppable assassin that can walk through walls into any room and kill anyone at any time. <laughs> like, he's absolutely freaked out. Yeah. He starts working around the top clock, haggard, unshaven, doesn't eat, doesn't sleep, to invent a way of detecting the ghost. Tony's so scared, he starts wearing the armor 24-7. He starts sleeping in the armor, oh, standing God. up. Oh, because he's so scared the ghost is going to like come to and get him. Um, so the ghost had been hired by um, Roxxon Oil Company to do some industrial sabotage. Mm. Over the years, we work out the ghost's methodology is. He works for whoever will pay him to destroy a company, a big company. <laughs> and invariably, if, what, if the people that hire him are another big company, he'll turn on them at the last second as well. Um, so he's been he's been he's been hired to you know yeah. do something to this Tony Stark company. He's gone rogue. So rocks on oil send another mercenary after him called the Spy Master, who had been around in uh, Iron Man comics for about ten years or so. Mm. Um, but had had been like that. He's a recurring villain, and he doesn't ever actually kind of get stuff done, right? Right. He, you know, like a lot of Iron Man's recurring villains, he's hired by a bad guy who does a bit of stuff. Iron Man stops him. Um, so the spy master is trying to get involved in the ghost's business um, and the the two sort of spies it's a really great issue there's like a cat and mouse game that goes on in this like big tech warehouse Mm. because the ghost can just 
walk through walls, turn invisible. Iron Man's got tech to try and find him. It's not like an out and out fight, 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 fight. It's it's like a chase, and there's who's around this corner, who's around that corner. It's cool. It's cool as anything. Um, now Iron Man arrives to kind of like destroy them both, and they're both trying to escape. And Spy Master is cornered. The ghost drifts into the room and puts one of his intangibility um hardware on the spy master's chest and it's like Ooh. you can walk, we can get out of here put this on walk through walls come with me yeah, yeah, yeah. and spy master's ah, crawling through crawling through his wall it's like thanks for saving me and the ghost goes oh i'm not saving you and takes the machine off him no while spy master is halfway through a wall no becomes tangible and the ghost is like oh i wasn't saving you i'm killing you that's awful and the spy master immediately killed as he materializes inside like a foot and a half of concrete. Oh, he! Died. I, I, I was part of me was hoping he'd just be stuck there, going, ah, "Get me out!" <laughs> no, he dies. He's is stuck. It... He is stuck there, but he's dead. Yeah, hanging from a wall that he's partly inside. Ugh. And the way the ghost does this is utterly chilling. Yeah, that's um, cold. That is very cold. Like there was this thing where there was because. Earlier in the issue, the spy master has the ghost dead to right, gun to the head, gonna pull the trigger. Tony Stark interrupts and saves the ghost. Um, and then the ghost he, he has spy master when spy master is utterly vulnerable. It looks like the ghost extends like a grudging hand of friendship and respect to him. Nope, cold blooded murder. <laughs> that issue had a big impact on me as a kid i, I love it i read it again and again it was one of the most gruesome deaths i'd seen at that point in comics yeah no blood or, or anything in it but chilling and and, and, and a little haunting but and there are there are ghost-like elements to to this character you're also thinking how does that feel to be trapped in a wall like that that must be horrible yeah. it, and like when when Iron Man discovers Spymaster's body, hmm. his mouth is open in a silent scream, yeah. and his eyes are open. That's how and I'm it's picturing like, it. Oh, that's yeah. horrible. Yeah. Awful. So he's got this this self invented ghost tech that allows him to turn himself uh, invisible, become intangible. He can do it to other objects as well. Um, it's it's he can he's an an expert level hacker. He can hack anything, reprogram anything. So he's not overly like he's not strong. He's not hasn't got what you might consider an awful lot of offensive fighting kind of abilities. But he's just chilling. Just he sneaky. does have he does have guns and stuff, mm. and but it's mainly this sabotage steel spy kind of stuff now whenever this kind of thing uh pops up in things and, and, I, and i shouldn't think too hard about it whenever they turn themselves intangible i'm there going why don't they fall the fall through the floor straight to the earth's core <laughs> be something built into it doesn't yeah. happen i imagine okay it yeah, makes I, them float yeah um that's true the ghost would gone on to go on to kind of be revived and have like a his his, his like revived in prominence I should say mm. um in, in kind of a big way in the 2000s and be involved um with Norman Osborn in in a very very interesting way I hope we get to cover that one day like that sounds like a great one to cover at the XCON office Hank Hope and Scott try to figure out what to do next with interruptions from Louise Kurt and Dave they have no idea who this ghost is, and without their lab, they are stuck. However, 
Hank reveals that there is one person who has access to the same equipment, Bill Foster, Hank's estranged former partner from his days at S.H.I.E.L.D. Meanwhile, at a homemade lab, the ghostly figure takes off their suit and in great pain while shimmering, locks herself in a chamber that retains her in a stable state. I'm not surprised to hear this, but I'm really great to see Scott's ex uh, friends back again. They're a, yeah. great, they're a great team. I, I love it when they pop up. Again, missing from Quantumania, sadly. So this seems this this seems like something they invented for the film, this uh, security firm. Does that actually happen in the Marvel comics? What? what sorry? The X-Con. The X-Con security firm. <clears throat> oh, oh, right. Um, uh, yes, but only by a couple of years. Like 2000 and like... So Nick Spencer does a really great run on, on Ant-Man with Scott Lang. And at some point, he has this job of being head of security for Stark Industries. Hmm. Um, but Cassie and her mom move to Miami, so Scott ditches his new job hmm. to go make sure he can spend time with his daughter as much as possible. And as part of his new life in Miami, he opens a business called Ant-Man Security Solutions. Um, <laughs> not as not, good as XCOM. No, as X-Con. but he does recruit some superpowered ex cons like Grizzly and Machine Smith to work to mm. work for him. Um I think it's fairly short lived, mm. but it was a couple of years before this um this movie. The slogan, the actual slogan, because Scott is not a good businessman, <laughs> who knows how to get your stuff st- stole who knows how to not get your, your stuff, stuff stolen better than the guy who used to steal your stuff. Ten out of ten. <laughs> ten out of ten <laughs> I love that. That's brilliant. (laughs) Scott, Hank, and Hope meet with Bill Foster at his university. Foster puts aside old feelings in favour of enthusiasm for their quantum discovery. He also talks with Scott about both of their experiences turning themselves into giants. However, Foster pushes Hank's buttons about losing Janet, almost causing a fight. But this is interrupted by Scott noticing something outside. Agent Wu has arrived at the university gates in search of Scott. Before they, a hasty exit, Foster gives them some last-minute advice in completing the quantum tunnel. When Agent Wu questions Foster as to the whereabouts of Hank Pym, Foster discovers for his old partner and denies Hank was there. Great to see Lawrence Fishburne. Great cast yeah. so far. Larry, Larry Fish. <coughs> Larry the Fish. Larry the Fish. I don't know where that comes from. I love it. So, Bill Foster... It's uh, alluded here that he used to be Giant Man or something. I take it he's a character from the original stories? Get ready to meet Black Goliath. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, is that a 70s uh, exploitation film? That's where it comes from. Really? Well, that's the... So... Okay, 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 yeah. uh, Bill Foster is is kind of... Was around for a long time in the comics. Mm. He is hired to help Hank Pym when Hank Pym is stuck... 12 feet tall and can't shrink any lower. Oh, okay. Which is something that lasts in the comics for a, for a little while when he's in the Avengers. Mm. Um, and then Bill Foster continues to work as Hank Pym's lab assistant for many years. Mm. But in the 1970s, Marvel Comics wanted to capitalize on the popularity of black exploitation movies <laughs> and create some black superheroes, some black action adventure characters. Mm. Um, to this end, Bill Foster moves to the West Coast. Um, and learns or acquires and copies the, the pin particles formula, uh, and he grows to great size 
great giant, and takes the name Black Goliath. Um, gets his own starring role in a in a comic book series that is named after him, the Black Goliath series. Nice. The original blurb. So Marvel Comics, you have a blurb at the top of each um, issue that would give you the premise. Yeah. It's think of the title sequence to any Saturday morning cartoon. Okay. It should explain the premise and get you going. Mm. The blurb from the Black Goliath series was Bill Foster, Dr. William Barrett Foster, PhD, child of the ghetto, in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> Who has pulled himself up out of the Los Angeles slums to become director of one of the nation's most prestigious research labs. <laughs> a man whose research has given him the power to instantaneously grow to a height of 15 feet with the strength of a true giant. A man who has become a hero. Wow. Um, so, yeah, they wanted to hit the ghetto thing for no reason, really, yep. and whatever. He Black also likes watermelon. Was, <laughs> yeah, well, it's just because the exploitation stuff was really big. I, 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 I know, I know. I was just wondering how clumsily so, they could make it. He, uh, he, yeah, he teams up with Luke Cage and the champions of Los Angeles and stuff. It's not long. Around a year, less than a year. Um, it, it, the Black Goliath series doesn't last very long. And after that, there's an issue of Marvel 2 and 1 where he basically is convinced to just change his name to Giant Man, just ditch the Black Goliath thing. Um, mm. And then later in life, he chooses to go back to the name Goliath but ditch the Black Goliath bit, just be Goliath. Okay, okay. Perhaps his most significant moment is something we'd already covered um, in, in a bonus show. Uh, it came during the original Civil War where mm. when Civil War breaks out between Iron Man's forces and Captain America's forces, Bill Foster, Goliath, is a member of Captain America's anti-registration Secret Avengers. Ah, yes. Um, and during one of the massive fights between the two sides, Foster is killed by a crazed cybernetic clone of Thor, um, which uh, which kills him in battle. Uh, is not supposed to have happened, and uh, hubris on the part of Hank Pym, Reed Richards, and and Tony Stark. Um, he does not shrink after dying, and they can't figure out a way to oh, shrink him. No. So Tony Stark has to pay for thirty eight burial plots <laughs> to accommodate his huge size. Why don't they just um, get him cremated? Uh, his death affects the balance of forces in the war um mm. and it, and it leads to several key characters to switch sides particularly spider-man um mm. the death of bill foster is a as a turning point in the war and spider-man goes ah i'm on the wrong side this was yeah. a big mistake and mm. and defects to uh, to captain america's side wow Driving away from the university, Hank says that the only way to find their lab is through the technology that was in the outdated Ant-Man suits. Scott then decides to reveal that he didn't destroy his Ant-Man suit as he promised Hank. It's currently shrunken down in a trophy, and that trophy is... With Cassie at show and tell at a school. Arriving at Cassie's school, Scott and Hope suit up and shrink. As they're flying down the corridor, Scott has a sudden problem with this suit and grows to the size of a small child. The bell rings and the, the kids empty the classrooms, forcing Scott to duck into a nearby janitor's closet. Inside, Scott tries to fix his suit and ends up a giant hunched inside the small room. Janet enters and after laughing, 
tries to fix Scott's suit. However, Scott shrinks down to the size of a small child again. Thinking fast, Wasp finds a lost and found box and disguises Scott in a child's oversized hoodie. Finding Cassie's classroom empty, Scott, uh, Scott opens Cassie's bag and removes the shrunken suit from the trophy. Scott and Hope make a clean escape from the school and back in Hank's van, with both Hank and Hope torting the smaller Scott. With the old suit now in their possession, they're able to track down the location of the lab. As you can probably tell from there, I found the whole size malfunction a bit in the school great. And the little jibes at Scott at the end, where he's just like, do you have a fun day? I'd forgotten all about it. I, I mean, I think I've only watched this movie once before. Um, I, yeah. it, was a, it was just a, a, a right fun to watch this. It was really great. It was yeah, loved yeah, it. what you'd expect from this kind of film. That evening, they arrive outside a particularly spooky-looking house. Suiting up and shrinking down, Scott and Hope sneak in, coming face-to-face with Ghost's suit. They also come f- uh, across Ghost asleep in her chamber before finding the lab. Before they can grab the lab, the ghost sneaks up on them both and knocks them out. Waking up tied to a chair, Scott tries to wake up Hope and Hank in the same predicament before being approached by Ghost. She reveals that the suit controls the pain she feels from her condition and that she also needs the information Scott has on the quantum realm. Ghost wakes up the other two before introducing Bill Foster. Ava Starr, Ghost's real name, is the daughter of Elias Starr, one of Hank's ex-colleagues who left on bad terms. Wanting to continue his research on the quantum realm, Elias experiments, experimented with a quantum tunnel, sorry, Elias' experiment with a quantum tunnel goes wrong, killing everybody else but Ava. Found in the wreckage by firefighters, they try to pick up young Ava, but their hands pass through her. Her condition is molecular disequilibrium, with every cell in her well body. Well done, well done. First time. First time. It's not quite the, uh, was it a genetic recombulator or whatever it was? But Neogetic. Neogetic recombulate. Ah, never mind. With every cell in her body continuously being torn apart and stitched together over and over again, Ava is slowly dying painfully. Detecting the anomaly at Elias' lab in Argentina, Dr. Foster tracks down Ava and takes her into care. However, Foster's then-employers, S.H.I.E.L.D., saw an opportunity in Ava, equipping her with the ghost suit and using her as a weapon with the promise that they would cure her. We've got to make sure, Art, that this is our shrunken building and not someone else's. (laughs) Great line. Great, great line. Oh, God, the the lines in this are just tremendous. I assume Ava Starr is a character from the comics. Uh, I assume that she isn't ghost, but someone else. No, she's not. Okay. But her father is. Aha! Okay. Elias Star is Hank Pym's number one nemesis Ooh, in the comics. Okay. Um, his uh, evil supervillain name, Egghead. <laughs> <laughs> no! He's a no! gifted... A gifted government research atomic scientist with a big, bald, egg-shaped head. Cruelly nicknamed Egghead behind his back by colleagues, which drives him to become evil. I um, don't use that excuse. <laughs> no, no, his head is shaped like an egg. Oh. Wh- which side? Like, well, up. Up, oh, no, that's awful. Like that's the cone heads, kind like of. Like the cone, I'll say, yeah. 
thinking Coneheads. Jeez, Bear in not... mind, his actual name is Elias Starr. Dr. Starr? Professor Starr? Any of those would be a much better like, villain name. <laughs> Dr. Starr. No, I'm going to again. reclaim the insults and use it be, against them. Being in mind, he, no, he doesn't call himself. and In fact, he ah. kills anyone that calls him Egghead. Okay. Um, so it's kind of it's used in that way. Um, he was uh, dismissed um, from his research role for espionage and decides to use his intellect as a criminal mastermind. Mm. He's immediately dealt a humiliating defeat by Ant-Man. Um, so what he tried to do is... <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he basically recreated Hank Pym's device that communicates with ants and is mm. like... Ah, I will get the ants to betray Ant-Man and lead him into flypaper, <laughs> which will kill him. And Ant-Man makes him think that's, that's going to happen. And at the last second, he defeats him with the power of friendship. He's <laughs> like, you fool, egghead. <laughs> My ants are friends with me. They would never betray me. They love me, and that's wow. It is, and he can never get over that defeat because it was just had nothing to do with science. <laughs> I am more popular than you. Yes, with <laughs> ants. So he sets about dedicating his entire life to kill Hank Pym, <laughs> and he forms many, many revenge schemes. Um, he hires superpowered assassins. He he uh, forms the um, one version of the Masters of Evil, another version of the Emissaries of Evil. He just keeps forming supervillain teams to, to yeah. kill Pym. Um, yeah, and he did... So, at one stage, he engineers Hank Pym's greatest fall from grace, aside from the fact that Hank Pym had already gone a bit off the rails and hit his wife a few times. Yeah, I remember us covering that. Yeah. kicked out of the Avengers. So... Egghead um, has a daughter, a niece, a niece, not a daughter, mm. a niece. One of his plans has already gone awry and blown one of her arms off. Oof. Um, so when Hank Pym is unemployed and a reject and the Avengers are turned against him, mm. Egghead approaches him and is like, ah, I'm going to hire you to do a job for me because you need whatever. <laughs> It's like, I've designed this prosthetic arm. I want to make it up to my niece um, for what I did to her with the explosion and make amends and all of that. And and uh, Hank Pym is like, okay, she won't accept it for me, though. So hmm. if you can say so you've built it and give it to her, and then that'll... And and Hank does that. And then Egghead says, ah, I put a bomb in that prosthetic arm, my one-off niece. You fool, Hank Pym. You fool. <laughs> I'm going to kill her with an exploding prosthetic arm. Ah, the old bomb hidden in the prosthetic arm trick. I thought you were better than that. The world will blame Ant-Man. He's like, oh, God. She goes, so now you've got to do whatever I say, or I'll blow my own niece up (laughs) with the arm I built her. So so Ant-Man goes up, it forces him to steal the National Treasury Reserve of Adamantium, and then, but that's not even his real plan. His real plan is tell the Avengers so that Hank Pym gets arrested, which he does. And he's, he's a like, big yeah. dobber, big dobber. I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I threatened to blow my niece up with an exploding arm, and then sent my <laughs> my nemesis to prison. And then, like when Hank Pym's on trial for his for his theft, 
Egghead sends his new Masters of Evil to kidnap Hank Pym and make it look like an escape attempt and all sorts of things. So, yeah, that's Elias Starr. Uh, two of my favourite stories are covered there. Uh, I think we already know what my favourite part of this episode is going to be, because I don't, I don't think things going to beat that. <laughs> mm. Foster tells his part of the story and how he heard about Hank and Hope building their own quantum tunnel, and with it, use Janet's quantum energy to cure Ava. However, this would kill Janet. Hank angrily protests, but Foster shrinks down Ava's chamber and starts wheeling out Hank's lab. The next second, Hank starts having a heart attack. He needs his pills. Scott and Hope yell at Foster to get Hank's pills tin. Concerned for his old partner, Foster grabs the tin to give to Hank, but it's a ruse. The tin snaps open, releasing ants that immediately grow in size. The trained ants free the group from their bonds, allowing them to retrieve the lab and escape. I loved this ruse, and I loved it calls back to the Altoids tin because you just thought that was a little stupid gag. Like, can I have one? No. And it's like, snap. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just think Jack it's... Jack has gone? Yes. Yeah, exactly. It was just... Uh great love lovely lovely bit of it's like a heist movie it's like ah got you fooled it was a trick the callback <laughs> anyway with the final component in place the quantum tunnel is now ready while preparing to see her mother hope wonders if her mum's the same person and if she can she remembers her but scott assures her that even after a stint in prison his relationship with cassie never changed just then Louise calls Scott, asking for something important for an ex-con business meeting tomorrow. Scott is unable to come to him as the lab is currently resized in a remote forest. Louise agrees to come to him, but before he can leave, Sonny Birch saunters in with his henchmen. Birch, knowing that Louise is an assistant of Scott Lang, who is an associate of Hank Pym, threatens him and the other ex-cons with truth serum to reveal their location. <coughs> I uh, love them arguing about calling it truth serum, even though they said it's not truth serum. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the name for it. There's a chemical name they use, like something. Uh, it's something uh, pentanol or something. Pentanol or whatever, and it's like yeah. it's not truth serum. Oh, so what does it do? It does this. And it, oh, yes, yeah, so that's basically truth serum. <laughs> it's kind of like LSD and ecstasy mixed together, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean it's not exactly truth serum, but it makes you more relaxed and more yeah. in the state of mind too reveal the truth basically so sonny birch played by the wonderful walton goggins uh is he a comic book character or someone just created for this movie because i think there was a mention in the letters about him being yeah king Canuck says he knows he's an ant-man character he's not an ant-man character but he is an iron man character how many iron man characters? i can imagine Two. being an iron man character Two. given his black market dealings <clears throat> yeah he's he's um he's the chairman of of, of uh one point cross technologies mm. cross technologies are ant-man adversaries but i don't think he's in any ant-man stories mm. um and he he was he had some connection to Abadiah Stane. um and then basically he becomes the the for the uh for the United States the under secretary of acquisition technology and logistics he's wow. the main weapons acquirer for the US government um wow. supplying them with like prototype weapons advanced technology things like that through a lot of defense contracts mm. and he does this very 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 clever thing Mm. So Tony Stark in the late 90s reveals his 
his his public identity for the first time. He tr- reveals to the public, I am Iron Man, which he had never done until he sees it. No, not even the late 90s. It's the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, and when he does that, Birch is basically exploits the legal complications that, that, that kind of mm-hmm. come from that revelation. Since Stark in the past have maintained that his Iron Man suit yeah. was being used by a Stark Industries bodyguard and not mm-hmm. himself, he lost a legal case to patent rights for the for the armor. I foresaw um, something like that coming. Yeah. And when the, the patents expires, Birch claims ownership <laughs> for all of Tony Stark's older Iron Man tech. Oh my god. And then he starts to just my my rubbish company owns them now, and they start to very cheaply and quickly mass produce them. Bloody hell. His ultimate ambition is to take over from Tony Stark as a as the weapons supplier, hmm. have all that money, but also become the Secretary of Defense. Oh, he's got really good uh, ambition yeah. there. But he's he's really really he he doesn't follow the safety protocols. He's hmm. everything is really rushed and um and also the Stark tech is designed. It's it's so advanced. It's not compatible with anything else. So they are having to to like quickly rig up solutions and retrofit. <clears throat> yeah, I know that. And, it, and it's it's causing basically severe malfunctions in the field, which is killing soldiers testing them. <laughs> Flat Iron Man two flashbacks. This leads yeah. to Tony Stark lobbying the president and saying, "If anyone's going to be defense secretary, it cannot be Birch." I'll do it. Let me do it. I'll be defense. I'll be the secretary of defense, so that no one else misuses this tech. I no longer have the patent to. Hmm. Um, and then um, something goes horribly wrong during um, a test of a new stealth jet drone that um, that Birch has put together with all this old te- this old Stark tech, and it crashes into a transport plane it kills the pilots the Oof. plane is then hurtling towards the populated area of washington on a crash course and knowing there's no way out and all because basically it, this has been building for for ages that something goes wrong with the tech and he dodges it he dodges it he dodges responsibility this time it is so blatantly sunny birch yeah that he shoots himself in the head in a car park to get Bloody out of hell! I don't want responsibility for this. Bang! And Iron Man saves the day and stops the plane from crashing and killing loads of people. Wow! Um, and as a result of that and Birch's um, disgrace and death, Tony Stark is named Secretary of Defense for the uh, American government. Wow! What a turn up for the books, eh, lads? Yeah. I just looked up. I just saw. I just did a new Google image search for Sonny Birch, but also it also came up with Egghead, and boy, that's that's a look. <laughs> that's an Egghead, right? Yeah, that is that's that that's an Egghead. But like Sonny Birch uh, looks like Drew Carey in the comics. Just a guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Diff, totally different look. Back at Foster's lab, Foster tells Ava that she only has a couple of weeks left to live without Hank's lab. Ava realises that Scott has a daughter they can use as a bargaining chip, but Foster disagrees with such a horrid method. If Ava does anything to Cassie, their relationship is over. However, this doesn't deter Ava, and she storms out to solve this problem herself. 
Back at the XCON office, the XCONs are strapped to chairs with Louise injected with the truth serum. Birch asks for information, leading to Louise telling a rambling story <coughs> about what oh, Scott yeah. has been up to leading to this moment. After getting frustrated with Louise, Birch demands where Scott is right now. As soon as Louise reveals the forest Scott is, Scott is hiding in, Ava suddenly phases in the room and demands more information from Louise. With the information she needs, Ava phases out. Birch and his men race to their car to catch up with Hank's lab, but Ava has destroyed the tyres. Realising that it would be easy to get Hank's lab from the feds instead of Ghost, Birch tips off a contact he knows in the FBI with Hank Pym's location. The FBI now know where Hank, Hope and Scott are and are now closing in. Well, that was, that was when they're listening to Louis' storytelling. You put a dime in him, you have to let the whole song play out. Yeah. What a great way of explaining that. What a wonderful way of explaining that. Also, several references to Morrissey in this film, not expected from a Marvel film. Uh, also, if you didn't realise, Scott's ringtone is the uh, song Every Day is Like Sunday. Which... I, I, I just have never enjoyed the Smiths or Morrissey. Not Lots of my friends who have mm. got very sophisticated musical tastes that I think, oh gosh, they know loads about music. They really like it. Mm. And I have tried and tried and tried and I don't get it. Know, At but... one stage, I asked my friend who's very smart, and goes, is it, is it all, is it like an inside joke? Is it like, are they meant to be funny? Are they meant to be joke songs? And he was like, no, what are you talking about? And I went, oh God, I thought that was it. I thought that was meant, they were meant to be funny. They're is, not. Is, know, is, okay, it, is it because so of his voice or is it because of the lyrics, do you think? Everything about them they sound horrible from beginning to end they sound horrible and everyone talks about how he's a brilliant lyricist so i I was paying attention to the lyrics and i was like what i i I, I like some of his lyrics i I have switched into a parallel universe here this is is brilliant so there we go i I just is like you just don't get anything about it i don't but i but i'm not saying that because people i really respect their musical opinions say they say that they're the Smiths are really good. Morrissey's really good. So John, Johnny, Johnny Marr, the guitarist, you know. fantastic. He's, he's a great guitar. Anyway, anyway, let's move away from the Smiths. So you said that in the comic books, ghosts go through some interesting changes and then ends up working for uh, Norman Osborn. Like, are we going to cover that? What can you tell us? Uh, it happens during Dark Rain. I don't know when we're going to be uh, people that have listened to our run that goes through to like mm. our bonus episodes that that go through House of M. Children Crusade that go through to the Civil War, Avengers disassembled, and then Secret Invasion. They're all like, we need to do Dark Rain, we need to do Dark Rain. Yeah. Dark Rain's a very difficult story to cover because it's not really a story. It's a bunch of separate events. Yeah, I um, thought that'd be the case. So, Norman Osborn replaces Nick Fury as the head of like security and intelligence for America. <laughs> yeah. He dismantles S.H.I.E.L.D. and in its place he builds Hammer, the new security agency. (laughs) What's better than a S.H.I.E.L.D.? A Hammer. Justin Hammer's going, I'm going to see you in court with that name. And um, his assistant is like, what's it stand for, sir? And he says, that's your first job. Figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) I just want it to be called Hammer. Um, So during that storyline, Norman Osborn assembles his own team of Avengers mm. who are all very dodgy, evil people on the sly. Yeah. Like Bullseye. He dresses Bullseye up as Hawkeye. <laughs> 
does he, he rename him or does he just look like that's it he's bullseye but looks like Hawkeye no he dresses like Hawkeye and he tells everyone it's Hawkeye bloody hell he um he invents a way for Venom to look like a regular person and says it's Spider-Man <laughs> black costume Spider-Man he works for me now um and he just does he gets Wolverine has we've covered Wolverine's psychotic son in the history of Wolverine episode Wolverine's truly deeply deeply psychotic son he goes put on your dad's gold costume you're Wolverine now you work for the Avengers and it's just anyway anyway as part of that he has a black ops team called the Thunderbolts ah here we go and this black ops black ops team Mm. he recruits Ghost to work for his Mm. black ops team um and this is like the first time readers had seen Ghost in years and years and years. Mm. And since then, he has become really, really unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> Even more. Like, they've gone... They've, the writer who basically went, right, what does, what does, like, an anti-capitalist mercenary saboteur look like in the modern world? He, he believes every conspiracy theory. <laughs> he hates everyone in power. He is beyond paranoid. Beyond paranoid. He doesn't trust anybody to the point that he now never takes his ghost costume off. Mm. Um, so he reeks from not showering ever. <clears throat> he doesn't eat in front like he eats sealed tin cans in seclusion. So kind of like Rorschach. He's pay- maybe maybe no, nah, not really. He's just he, other than they're paranoid. Um, oh, paranoid and they eat. Food straight from the tin. That there's just what, let no. There's one instance of Rorschach eating someone's leftover cold beans. There's not an example of him eating from tins all the time. That's not a character trait of Rorschach. <laughs> okay, so he's just like full conspiracy theory nut job dude. Yeah, and. Osborne basically lures the ghost to work for this big government mm. agency by promising that you'll get to destroy Stark Industries and you'll get to raid Stark's personal vaults. Mm. Because when Tony Stark was running S.H.I.E.L.D., he then, as a tax dodge, <laughs> folded all of Stark Industries and all those paychecks and everything onto the government's budget oh. and went, ah, oh, it's all... S.H.I.E.L.D. pays for everything now. S.H.I.E.L.D. funds the Avengers. S.H.I.E.L.D. funds Iron Man. S.H.I.E.L.D., S.H.I.E.L.D., S.H.I.E.L.D. So mm. when he loses control of S.H.I.E.L.D., Norman Osborn gets control of Stark Industries and the Avengers and everything. But there's a vault in Stark Industries that he can't access because it's technology just insanely beyond anybody in this world. Mm. The only person in the world that can walk in there is the ghost. And that's how the ghost gets this job. And he's just, he revels in like walking through talks, hacking, walking yeah. through the walls, gives Osborne access to all of Stark's old armors. Oh, allowing Tony, uh, sorry, allowing Norman Osborne to turn himself into a new armored hero, the iron Patriots. Mm. Um, by just putting on old armor and spray painting the American flag on it, um, he he later reveals to one of his teammates on the Thunderbolts that when Osborne is king of the corporate world and the military industrial complex, the Ghost is like, "I'm here to act as a virus. I'll bring everything down from the inside." <sighs> wow, um, that is and, unhinged. 
indeed at the end of kind of the dark rain arc he betrays norman osborn by sending a, a data package about him to um a bunch of whatever heroes were left around yeah It's only appropriate in this episode about men shrinking and ghosts that hide that we turn our focus to you out there (laughs) who shrink from your responsibility to this podcast and hide from it as well. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like like the ghost walking through a wall. You walk straight through your responsibilities to me and Will (laughs) and not supporting this podcast. And you're wow, missing this is so out. strained. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's bum on. And you're missing out. You're missing out by doing it, by shrinking and hiding and passing through walls. You're missing out. By not supporting and contributing to this podcast, you're missing out. First of all, when you listen and don't contribute, you're not part of the community, you're not part of the family, you're not part of the cool kids, and you can't be because you're not letting us be on the air. You're not helping this podcast grow and building with us. And you can do that by patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel. But think of yourselves. Think of at this selfless time of year, book the trend and think only of yourself and what you're missing out on by not being with us on Patreon. Every month we release amazing bonus shows packed full of Marvel stories and Marvel history. And if you're not with us on Patreon, you're missing out on the big shows that cover things like the Infinity Gauntlet, the Kang Dynasty, the Super- the Spider-Verse, the Young Avengers, all these things we talk about and allude to, they're all there waiting for you. Big deep dive episodes that are, that are an hour and 20, an hour and 30, two hours long. Everyone that subscribes on Patreon is part of our community. They help us to build, but they get so much in exchange. Mm. Um, Civil War 2 was released in November. And Will, I know that we had a, 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 an incredible time diving back through that. A big focus on, on, on Carol Danvers as the Marvel's movie came out. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it was... Uh, what did you think of that? That kind of... We had... The first Civil War was Captain America versus Iron Man. This one was Captain Marvel versus Iron Man. Um, how how do you reflect on that, and how does it compare to the first movie, the first um, Civil War event? First, first the event, yeah. It, I mean, it's hard to compare because it was such a big event, and when you do something like this, it's like this is the second one. It always feels like, uh, will it match up on its own? But, but they changed no, it, it quite a lot, didn't they? So they, it wasn't just retreading the same territory. No, it, it wasn't a retread. It was really, it was some really interesting stuff going on, and some real ethical quandaries, as I said before. And, and, it's and so a, good. Big story for Miles Morales as well. That was yes. the, one of the lead figures. Miles oh. Morales caught in the middle of this God, of this yes. battle. Um, big casualties, like major superheroes die in this. Mm. Um, this month, we take a deep dive into one of the greatest and most underrated Marvel stories of all time, The Squadron Supreme. Me and Will take a trip to Earth 712 in December to meet a world in ruins and a team of superheroes trying to keep everything together. Every hero in this world is actually a mirror of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and the rest of the DC Universe. It was called, in 1985 when it came out, this was called the best Justice League story ever told. (laughs) It's a shame DC didn't publish it. Um, It is the most sophisticated Marvel story of its era. Also, perhaps the most violent. That fight Mm. at the end is brutal. Um, it was a big influence on the Civil War and, and DC stories like Kingdom Come. 
Before all the accolades were thrown up, Watchmen and The Dark Knight Returns, there was the Squadron Supreme. Me and Will have already put that episode um, to bed. It's recorded. It will be dropping in December. Um, and it, 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 perfect way to end the year, Will, with the Patreon. Yes, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. It's 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 an absolute stonker of a bonus episode. This was really good. I mean, I know none of the superheroes, but yeah, it, it doesn't matter. It's so good, an absolute epic. Um, we have Hyperion, who is a stand-in for Superman. We have Nighthawk, who is a stand-in for um, Batman. We have mm. Power Princess standing in for Wonder Woman, uh, and the, uh, the the Squadron Supreme are a version of the Justice League. Um, <clears throat> very, very interesting. Big, epic way to end our December. Um, so there's lots of different ways you can contribute and levels you can you can pitch in and help out to. Look, if you listen to this podcast every single week and love what we do, please consider checking in with me and will the 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 price of a cup of coffee or a drink that three pounds a month can go a big way and help us do all sorts with this podcast um and in exchange for that three pounds you get access to fun mini episodes like obscure marvel you go higher up the tier you can get access to uh, early access to every show higher up you can get the bonus shows as well so treat yourself in this festive season be selfless don't think of the podcast (laughs) think of your own enjoyment wouldn't you like to give yourself a great Christmas present? £10 will buy you access to every single bonus episode we've ever done. And you can just binge your way through. You don't have to listen to Nan and Grandad at Christmas. You don't have to listen to your weird uncle. You can just put your headphones on and listen to me and Will through all the festive season. Head to patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. That's patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. Back to the show. At Hank's lab, Scott, Hank and Hope successfully start up the quantum tunnel, but after a few seconds, the machine starts to shut down. Seemingly possessed, Scott springs into action and starts tinkering the machine's computer. After Scott mentions spending 30 years thinking about the fix that needs to be made, it's suddenly clear that Janet is in control of Scott's body. While Hank and Hope are astounded by hearing from Janet again, the possessed Scott continues the work needed to bring Janet back. After Scott stops working, the machine reveals Janet's location in the quantum realm. All that needs to be done now is send someone in to rescue Janet. Janet possessing Scott was simultaneously hilarious and sweet. Yeah. yeah. It was funny, but there were moments like, yeah, you could see how this would work if it was actually Janet there as a sweet Yeah, But it was great. Really worked. As Hope straps herself into a machine that will take her to the quantum realm, Scott gets a call from Luis. Ghost and the feds are on their way. Hank and Hope hurry to shut down the machine. Scott borrows the suit and heads home before the FBI sees him missing. At Scott's home, Cassie, Maggie and Jim enter looking for Scott. The next second, Jimmy Woo and the FBI barge in. Maggie (coughs) has found Scott's giant pet ant having a bath and tries to convince Kimmy that Scott... (laughs) tries to convince Kimmy that Scott is too sick for him to see not believing her Jimmy barges past Maggie and is greeted by Scott coming out the bathroom pretending to have been ill with the quantum tunnel shut down Hank and Hope exit the lab and shrink it only to find themselves surrounded by the FBI at gunpoint is I isn't I, I I I like the giant ant doing human things. I thought it would be stupid on paper, but it genuinely tickled me. I'm just—it's gross, disgusting, and should all be ashamed of yourselves. No. <laughs> Another thing we're disagreeing <laughs> violently on. I love it. 
Also, the, the the shot of them shrinking the lab to see the Legion of Agents behind it, perfect. Yeah, perfect. Just great. Couldn't couldn't couldn't, couldn't ask for any any better shot. I also thought that Jimmy Woo and the FBI is a great name for a band. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I would not be surprised considering his popularity online. So Jimmy Woo, he is popular, especially after One Division as well. People want him back in the MCU. Is he a character from the comics, or was he created for the MCU? Jimmy Woo. Mm-hmm is one of the oldest Marvel characters. No! He predates the Marvel Universe. Amazing. Was originally published when the company was called Atlas Comics in the 1950s. <laughs> so Jimmy Woo appeared in the 50s in an, an espionage series. I'm first going to explain to you, it was part of what is called now, in uh, applied to old... Uh, racist stories the yellow peril yeah yeah um which is normally uh features a communist asian villain a mandarin type character mm. so it's a, a racist color metaphor that depicts the people of the east and southeast asia as a danger to the western world and it often depicts them perhaps as either primitives, madmen, or people that possess special powers exclusive just to asian people Mm. Yellow Peril, it's that, that particular term Was popularised by Kaiser Wilhelm II Not a good dude No, he was uh, not Who used this racist rhetoric I mean, one of the top five bad Germans um, <laughs> Who used this racist rhetoric To encourage the European empires To invade, conquer and colonise China um, and from there, it blighted Western media well into the 20th century. Yeah. Most famous example is the character Fu Manchu. Yep. Atlas Comics had its own version of Fu Manchu called, quite horribly, the Yellow Claw. Um, and the only noteworthy thing about this 1950s espionage series, the Yellow Claw was a, you know, a, a Mandarin-style mm. sinister spy master and villain. The only noteworthy thing about this comic book is that instead of having the Asian bad guy chased by a heroic white Westerner character, hmm. the hero of this story is a Westerner, but it's an Asian American FBI agent, Jimmy Wu. Right. Okay. Jeff Wang, who is curator of the Marvels and monsters unmasking Asian images in American comics, 42 to 86, this exhibit that was took place at the Japanese American national museum. Jeff Yang called Jimmy Wu a positive exception to the largely negative depiction of Asians and Asian Americans in comics at the time when the view of Asians was shaped by racist, xenophobic, wartime propaganda. Wow. So, that's Jimmy Woo's beginnings. That series, The Yellow Claw, only ran for four issues. But a decade later, Stanley did what Stanley loves to do. He mm. folded some of these pre-Marvel characters into the marvel universe he did it with steve rogers um he did it with peggy carter he did it with millie the model we'll get into that another day but that's um, that's a name that that that, that's, that 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 jumped out millie the model it when he was writing romance characters one yeah. of the romance stories was was millie she was a model it was called millie the model it was about her having boyfriends and kissing people that was it um, lovely so Jimmy Woo appears in um, the uh, in the Marvel comics in the 1960s. He eventually leaves the FBI and joins Shield. Um, 
He would go on in the 1970s to be featured in the Marvel series Godzilla when they had the rights to do uh, a Godzilla series and S.H.I.E.L.D. were chasing Godzilla across the world. (laughs) And then in 1978, a very famous issue of What If came about, which told the story of an alternate world where the Avengers, or a team of superheroes, was formed in the 1950s. And the idea of this story was Jimmy Woo putting together a team of old Atlas Comics characters to be uh, the world's first super team. I get Well, it. not the first super team, but mm. to be the Avengers in the 50s. This proved to be such an interesting and popular concept from What If that Marvel actually tried to make it happen in the regular Marvel continuity, sort of. They created a brand new world-spanning international espionage agency, and they called it Atlas... Um, and Jimmy Woo and a bunch of these old 50s characters were kind of retconned into an old story, and they became known as the agents of Atlas. Um, so, so fascinating character. That's good. That that makes me think that we'd be seeing more Jimmy Woo in the MCU, considering how potentially important. I, I, I want to see him. I, I love him. He's a lovely yeah, I, fellow. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying we don't. I'm just saying, I don't know. Who knows? You never know with these big, these kind of smaller characters. Yeah, that's very true. As Hank and Hope are led off by the FBI, Birch's informant tries to take the lab, but Ghost sneaks up and knocks him out, taking the lab for herself. At Scott's home, he confides with Cassie about becoming Ant-Man again and the responsibilities and risks that come with it. Cassie wants to partner up with her dad, but Scott would be a terrible father if he let her. She then tells her dad that he can and should go and rescue Hope before they hug. Another great Cassie moment. Yeah. Nothing nothing but time for Cassie. In FBI custody, Hope uses a hairpin to free her and Hank before preparing to shrink the cell wall, which would which could collapse the building. However, just before she's able to, the wasp suit suddenly appears on the table and an FBI uniform appears on the chair. Scott is breaking them out. With Scott using an army of ants to cover the CCTV cameras, Janet shrinks out of sight. Sorry. Hope's... Hope shrinks out of sight, wouldn't it be? Correct, yes. Correct. I don't know why I wrote Janet there. <coughs> Hope shrinks out of sight, following Hank in an FBI uniform, who walks out without raising suspicion. Outside, Scott appears with their van and they escape. However, on their tail are Birch's men. More high stuff. Love <laughs> heist, it. Heist, 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 heist. What's heist, that from? Heist, heist. It's from me just now, just singing heist. Because you can't go December. <laughs> I would have loved to see them collapse the building, though. That would be quite funny, but a bit needless. Would have killed everyone inside. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> With the help of a new tracker that Hank installed for the lab, Scott follows a swarm of ants flying in the formation of an arrow before arriving at the lab. Inside, however, Bill Foster is already starting up the quantum tunnel for Ava. Coming up with a plan of action, Hank volunteers to dive into the quantum realm to retrieve Janet. The next second, Luis pulls up in his van, here to help Scott. In the the lab, the quantum tunnel powers down due to ants in the machinery. Ava and Foster know that they are here. Ghost heads out of the lab while Foster is surrounded by giant ants. Suiting up to go into the quantum realm, Hank tells Foster that they will cure Ava when he gets back. Hank steps into the quantum vehicle as the countdown begins. I like the way the flying ants had the big arrow floating. It made it feel like a video game. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you need to go oh, here yeah. next. You need to go here next. Don't go there. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, great. I-, I want that for real life. 
in the comic It's called book. Google Maps. Let <laughs> me have my flying arrow in the sky, you <laughs> idiot. In the uh, comics, does Bill Foster have a daughter or someone like Ava at all? He doesn't have a... Uh, uh, not when he's alive, no. He doesn't have no. a daughter. But after he dies, and that's kind of, unfortunately, one of the few significant moments mm. of that character, we're introduced to his nephew, Tom Foster. Oh. Um, and he finds out from the Black Panther that Goliath has died. And Tom swears to like continue his, that, his uncle's legacy. He wants to replicate the pin particles. And he is not happy with Tony Stark. And oh. T'Challa is like... No, you you shouldn't be happy with Tony Stark. Um, I will help you as long as you finish your university studies. Yeah. Um, we then he next turns up. We've we okay, we've covered Tom in our World War Hulk episode. Oh, when the Hulk brings people who've had their lives ruined by the um, the Illuminati, mm. Tony Stark, and all those people. One of the people giving evidence is Tom Foster, who was like, "These these a holes killed my uncle because they're just awful." Yeah, um, and he's like, "I am ready for Hulk's justice." Co Hulk <laughs> killed Tony Stark and Reed Richards and Hank Pym, and um, and then when the during that the, the chaos caused by Hulk and the Warbound defeating all the Avengers and getting all the superheroes chained up and everything tom actually sneaks into the avengers mansion into the abandoned labs and gets a vial of pim particles Uh which he uses to become the new goliath um and he kicks the crap out of iron man um (laughs) and he later joins a a a gang of anti-heroes that want the avengers to disband and he attacks the avengers and he goes to prison and ends up becoming uh, an ex-con because of because of it. Yeah. Oh wow, what a story! <laughs> While on the lookout for Ghost, Scott is pounced on by her. Unfortunately, Scott's Ant-Man suit isn't shrinking anymore, forcing Scott to flee. As Scott tries to outrun Ghost, Hank is entered into the quantum realm. The next second, Hope shrinks the lab, allowing Louise to load it into the van. Scott was misdirecting Ghost away from the lab <coughs> all along. Escaping from Ghost, Scott rides a giant sorry, Scott rides a flying ant to meet with Hope and Louise, who are stopped on a road by Birch. Making a U-turn, Hope leads Birch and his men in a chase across the city, using the van's shrinking abilities. Hope is able to dodge the vans before luring them into a crash. Again, this car chase was just something else. Oh yeah, amazing. Amazing. Oh, like up there with the Hawkeye one from the, the Hawkeye series. Oh, we use the giant brilliant. arrow. Yeah. Oh god, that was a great but but this is like it, they've already introduced the whole like, hey, we're going to do fun fight scenes with uh, turning things into giant and shrinking yeah. stuff, and then they go, okay, you like that? How about a car chase where we do that? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> sold. I'm completely sold. And this works so well. The way it shrinks and then buffs cars by growing and then leads it into, oh god, it's good. It's so good. On his way to the quantum realm, Hank's vehicle loses contact with the outside world. As the machine recalibrates, Hank stares in wonder at the somatomic world as giant tardigrades approach. Is it tardigrades or tardigrades? I don't know. No idea. No idea. I, I, I tend to get it wrong sometimes. Anyway, anyway, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Water bears. Meanwhile, Scott, Hope and Louise continue to outrun Birch's men before G- uh, Ghost gets involved. Phasing into the van, Ghost forces Hope out before taking the lab and escaping in a stolen truck. Janet is able... Sorry, 
Hope is able to get to the truck, but Scott <coughs> crashes the van, abandoning Louise and heading after Ghost. Grabbing onto the front of the truck, Scott enlarges himself, forcing the truck to slow down. Using this moment to her advantage, Hope retrieves the lab and jumps out of the truck, landing on the back of the flatbed. But Scott's suit malfunctions again, causing his size to change and the truck to jolt, sending the lab into the arms of Birch. Scott, still hanging onto the truck, has another suit malfunction, growing even bigger than before, and finally stopping the truck before using it as a scooter to catch up with Birch. Meanwhile, Hank arrives at the Quantum Void and powers up the engines again. Arriving in the Quantum Realm, he crash lands amongst a dream-like landscape. I think the car chase scene, especially with him using the truck as a scooter, is what I remember most when I first saw it, because it was yeah. just... It's just, it's just a fun little image. I think what we, we went into this movie saying, oh, this this is a not not much of much consequence in this movie, and yeah. blah, 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 blah. But we've just, every now and then, we just, we not every now and then, we constantly stop and go, that was so much fun. Yeah. That was so much fun. That was so funny. That was so cool. And that's really what this film is about. Yeah. It's, it's all about changing gears. Like, you know, you watch something like, uh, I don't know, The Winter Soldier, and then you watch She-Hulk. There are two yeah. vastly yeah. different things. You need to have a change of, you need to reset your head and go, oh, I'm watching this. This is like a comedy. This one's like a spy thriller. I think I think that's a problem that audiences are having. Mm. That's quite common in the comic books. There's a, a vast spectrum. Yeah. Um, but I think people want everything. Like, that doesn't happen in the Star Wars expanded universe, right? Mm. The TV shows are roughly the same tone. <laughs> some are good, imagine. some are bad, but they're roughly the same tone. And I think audiences are struggling with that. Like they, that's what I like about Marvel. Yeah, and it frustrates me that the next thing is not what I like about Marvel. Uh, that's frustrating. Like they're having that problem because they they that doesn't happen with you know you don't you don't get like the next season of Game of Thrones is wacky. <laughs> You, it, it, they're used to a tonal similarity. Yeah, it, it reminds me of the uh, people's reaction to season two of The Wire, where it's like suddenly we're suddenly yeah, we're focusing on the, these guys who've never met before. It wasn't the tone, but but yeah, people didn't like yeah, but so, you know, it wasn't a, fickle people. Yeah, but it wasn't to do with yeah, but but I I think that's what people, as we said, they get addicted to the high stakes, mm. and when the next thing isn't high stakes, they are annoyed. <laughs> exactly. So has Hank Pym ever had to go to the quantum realm, even just to save Janet? Does that ever happen in the comics? It's good. Uh, he doesn't go to the quantum realm very often. He has gone to the quantum realm. But what's but it sp- called in the comics? It's called the Microverse, the better yeah. name. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he went to save his wife, yes. So um, she dies in the secret at the end of Secret Invasion. Um, and Hank renames himself the Wasp in her honour. And um, becomes uh, quite a different character. He forms his own team of Avengers because he's really upset about her death and stuff. Mm. And then years later, um, he starts to get a signal coming from the microverse. Ah, there it is. And um, it's an Avengers emergency signal. And Mm. Hank and a group of Avengers head to the microverse, follow the signal, and they do indeed find that Janet has not died um she was trapped in the uh, in the in the microverse for many many years for her because time is different yeah um and uh, yeah they find her uh, causing havoc with a local warlord and um she's kind of become a, a like a dissident battling local warlords and stuff and yes they do rescue janet and bring her back to the upper world yeah 
I, I, I still struggle like, trying to imagine how it's the microverse because I think it's one place. Surely it's like shrunk down, so it's a huge. It's even bigger than you'd think it is. And finding one place in the microverse would be weird. Or is it one bit? What? <laughs> I'm trying to think how it physically exists. Is it's, it really it's, small? The, <laughs> is the microverse really small, or is yeah, it just another? Yeah, it's in d- between atoms. Yeah, but surely it, it, it it's a huge thing because it is because there would be more of it around if that makes sense. Like. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's so small, it exists between particles. Yeah. So okay. what you're you're quite like uh, you, you know when they say, "Oh, they're in the micro, they're in the microverse." We'll, we'll go find them. It's like, yeah, but is that the microverse contained in that room or someone else's room? Or oh, right, no. Desk? Once you're that small, you have to travel distances. But yeah, it, it is. Just makes me think the microverse is insanely huge. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Ironically what, huge, you know. What they also what they also discover is if you grow big enough, you enter the macroverse. Excellent, amazing. I want to hear more about the macroverse because that's insane. Um, it's where if you're big enough, you can converse with like Galactus and Celestials and Eternity because you're just big, oh, big dude. Cool. Say hello to the Living Tribunal. <laughs> amazing. Louise is still stuck in the van, asking Scott for help, and is told to look in Dr. Pym's Hot Wheels car case. Louise picks out a particularly flash car with a smile on his face. Birch realises that he's unable to use the lab without its remote and orders his men to check the van. As his men drive up to the van, it shrinks, revealing Louise's new souped-up car, which speeds off. Using the shrinking controls, Louise outruns Birch's men. Hope catches up to another jeep of Birch's men and takes them out. Birch, meanwhile, is surprised to see, in his rearview mirror, an enlarged Scott approaching them, riding the truck like a scooter. Before Birch's men can open fire, Scott simply kicks the car off the road, forcing Birch to escape on foot and away from the giant's reach. Does Ant-Man have a shrunken lab in the comics? Because I remember in Earth's Mightiest Heroes, he had a lab he was working in. I I can't remember if that shrunk or anything. It was like a little pod. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah, in the yeah. cartoon, in the in the comic books, I, I don't remember seeing it before. He has his own team of Avengers. Mm. Um, he he goes through some changes when he's the Wasp. Um, after after Janet dies, he is uh, finds basically he becomes or slash he he finds out that he is known throughout the galaxy as the Scientist Supreme. Ooh. He's essentially the tech version of Doctor Strange, the Amazing. Sorcerer Supreme. Um, and during this time, he's got his own Avengers, the Mighty Avengers team, mm. and he creates something called Infinite Avengers Mansion. Oh, I see where this is going. <laughs> which is located in Underspace, which is a dimension below the microverse. Oh, my God. You're getting caught up on physics. That's your problem. Yes. Yes, because I live in the real world. And every time we do these, well, the the the, the quantum realm or the microverse, you will be told the normal rules of physics do not apply. This is non-Newtonian universe. non so Oh, hello, non-Newtonian. You don't have to really think about distance, and you don't have to non- think about anything else. It's is all... it non-Euclidean? That's what I want to know. Um, so the underspace he creates this this building. But below the microverse, it features millions of floors and hangars. It's as big as he wants it needs it to be. <laughs> huge, huge, huge amounts of room and equipment, and 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 it 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 
because it's a shrunken sub-dimension, mm. it's accessible from anywhere on Earth, virtually. Oh, okay. There are connecting doors in the Infinite Avengers mansion. You can open one, walk out in Manhattan. The next one, Berlin. The next one, the Arctic. I can see um, why he's called the Scientist Supreme in that case, because this is yeah. literally his yeah. Sanctum Santorum. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's really cool. Alarming the public in his... Ju- uh, sorry, <clears throat> alarming the public in his giant form, Scott runs to the docks only to see Birch escape on a ferry with a lab. Finally, managing to shrink f- himself. We should say it's a ferry. He doesn't ferry. escape on a ferry. I, I mean, I, there are there are lots of mystical creatures in the Marvel universe, but the fairies don't turn up just yet. Just yet, they they got to be called in with the X Men in Phase Seven. Yeah. Finally, managing to shrink himself, Scott calls in flying ants to airlift him. But each one is swallowed by the many oh, seagulls swooping so by the shore. Funny! What a great little bit that oh, was. That was, was so just good. oh god, it was so good. Finally, Scott mounts one, but as he's flying over the water, another seagull swoops in and swallows the ant, forcing Scott to dive into the sea with a tiny splosh. On the ferry, Birch urges his contact to meet him on the other side, ASAP. The next second, the tour guide on the ferry points out what appears to be a whale coming to the surface towards the vessel. But as it rises out of the water, it's actually Scott reaching his biggest size yet. With no effort, Scott pinches the lab back from a very scared birch. Uh, Brilliant line in this bit. Anyone seen a southern gentleman carrying a building? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what fun they've they've had writing this clearly. So, Ant-Man can become a giant in the comics, right? That is a thing he does, or have they combined Giant-Man and Ant-Man, or what, what's happening here? Yeah, in, in, in 1963, the year after we first meet Hank Pym um, and, and the Ant-Man, he invents a brand-new set of powers, a uh, brand-new costume, and remakes himself as Giant-Man. Um, ah, this rings a bell, yes. Three, uh, many years later, hmm. we get kind of flashbacks that add context to this and it shows that he adopted this identity out of feelings of inadequacy when he joined the avengers because mm. there's like iron man and thor and the hulk and he's the ant guy <laughs> so he's like oh man i want to be big um so yeah he, he tinkers with pin particles and uses them to increase his size and he can grow to a he can grow bigger than 12 feet tall but um he he settles on 12 feet as a safe size hmm. now while he's ant size he retains the regular strength of a regular sized person hmm. which means ant man is very useful in a fight giant man is able to increase his strength and stamina along with his size so he becomes stronger the bigger he gets right that makes sense um, that would be it, such a letdown if he was the same strength as a regular yeah. man. <laughs> the the later explanations that the pin particles allow you, allow you to shift your mass to another dimension, so you can shift your mass out as you shrink, and you can <laughs> add new mass as you grow. You've kind of just shelved it for the meantime. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh. I always thought that... Um, m- no, we don't need to go into this. Come I was always on. bothered as a kid. I was bothered that um, who's the bad guy Decepticon in in Transformers? Oh, Megatron. Megatron. Mm. Like he he never he meant he never mentions that he can shrink, <laughs> but that should what, be he something can. he. Well, oh, he turns into, turns a, into gun. a gun. 
that yes. other Transformers can hold. Like, where's all that extra mass going? Oh, my God, yes. It was the weirdest thing for him to transform into because it's like someone What's else has point? to carry him. Yeah. Because he could also become a, a big-sized cannon. Yeah. And fire on his own. So I never why why all the all the Decepticons yeah, have got yeah. guns. They don't need another gun. <laughs> um, and what happens to Optimus Prime's trailer when he transforms? The big blue trailer. No I love the that. fact it comes anyway. out of nowhere. I love uh, it. I yeah, love the fact it comes out of nowhere. Push it around the corner. Um so yes, um so he, he, he changes like years after that he changes costume and identity again. He ditches the name Giant Man and becomes Goliath. Um, and when he's Goliath, he takes over the leadership of the Avengers. And during this period of time, he gets stuck at 12 feet tall, mm. unable to shrink back down, and it causes him to become one of Stan Lee's tortured, monstrous heroes. Aww. It's like, oh, I am a monstrosity, too big to live normal life. Um, when he hands over the Pym Particles and the Ant-Man persona to Scott Lang, um, Scott also possesses the ability to grow to gigantic sizes, but it's not something he does a huge amount of, and he doesn't he doesn't use the name Giant Man. Whereas Hank Pym like changed his name and become I'm Giant Man now. Mm. Um, Scott is like eh, I'm Ant Man. I can grow bigger if I want to. Um, Bill Foster is the second uh, Giant Man, um, even though he was Black Goliath beforehand. Mm. And then a third giant man arrives in 2015 when um, an unemployed, down-on-his-look robotics engineer, Raz Malhotra, finds himself accidentally working for... Mm, Egghead! <laughs> and <laughs> yes! he gets caught up Love in uh, an Ant-Man adventure with Scott Lang and Hank Pym kind of evolved. And basically, at the end of that, Scott sees a lot of himself in Raz, mm. like a down-on-his-look smart guy who makes a mistake finds himself breaking the law wrong side of the tracks but he's clever and he's got a good heart mm. so scott gives him a special pim suit which contains um sized a system of size changing particles allowing raz to become the third giant man oh very nice leaving the vehicle and wandering the quantum realm hank is overwhelmed at the sound of his wife's voice and screams Suddenly waking up in a nightmare vision of his house, he encounters visions of Hope, Scott and Foster before seeing a masked figure approaching him. As the figure reaches out to grab him, the vision leaves Hank and the figure removes their their mask. It's Janet. The two reunite in a teary embrace and head back to the vessel. Hank asks about the energy from her hands, with Janet revealing that something in the quantum realm has changed her. Really glad we got to see more of the quantum realm in this film. Got a savouring bit more for the CGI spectacle of Quantum Mania just from this. It was great. Um, yeah, I didn't really enjoy it. I must admit, I, I didn't. I, it was nothing. I didn't come out of this film going, "I want to see more of the quantum realm." But I, I really liked the next movie. I liked oh, Quantum Mania yeah. an awful lot. But I didn't come out of this going, "Ah." Oh, that CGI was great. I loved I, the quantum realm. But I love the kind of like alien worldness to it. It reminds me of the last few levels of the video game Half Life, where you go to the alien world and it's like floating now, stuff and madness and I light. I got I got that in the next movie. I didn't mm. get it in this one. I didn't I didn't have that mm. feeling. I was like, ah, I want to get back to the size, the, the giant man, Ant Man, the chase. I wanted all that. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't big on this other story, this oh. B story. It wasn't for me. <laughs> it's not a sitcom, Rob, with your B story and A story. Like, sure. Wind up, 
wind up in the end. Anyway, at the docks, Scott, in his giant form, tries to get everyone out the way so he can enlarge the lab. However, his huge size is causing him to pass out due to lack of air to sustain him. Scott collapses in the water with a big splash before sinking. Hope instructs Louise to activate the lab while she dives in and tries to revive Scott and fix his suit. As Louise goes to activate the lab, Ghost suddenly <coughs> Ghost appears and steals the remote from him before activating it. But they're too near. The slab, sorry, the lab suddenly enlarges, blasting cars and rubble around. With the lab at full scale, Hank is ready to return from the quantum realm with his wife. So it's mad how this oxygen problem when he's huge wasn't a problem in Civil War, but I'm glad they're addressing it. But then again, it's a similar problem when you're small. The air particles would be too big for the lungs to absorb. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're the reason they gave money to that bloody scientist consult guy. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's not realistic. Of course it's not realistic. It's an Ant-Man movie. I don't... I mean, fine. It's. I don't mind it was a plot point and everything. They've got to wear around it. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I don't I, uh, yeah, you're right. There should be a movie where he becomes Ant-Man and just immediately dies because there's too much oxygen for his lungs to absorb. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, well, you know, to save time, it'll be a shorter episode, that's for sure. So, uh, giant, does Giant Man have problems like this when he becomes a giant in the comics? Does he ever go, you know, I can't breathe? Not quite or, like this. The very first time we see Giant Man, Hank Pym has destroyed his own house by becoming too big, too fast, and falling over. Um, yeah. And he says that basically his size, he can't support his own weight beyond 12 feet. Um, oh, and he okay. can't stand up. It's too much mass. Yeah. It hurt, he yeah. falls over. It hurts. Interesting. So 12 feet is the upper limit for years for Ant-Man. And then it'd be mm. the giant man. Then it was like 15, then it was like 20, 25, things like that. He was later, greater heights, eventually even 100 feet mm. um, and be fine. But he becomes weaker in proportion to the amount he grows beyond 12 feet. Ah, oh, damn. It's a strain on the body. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a period of time where size changing put like real great strains on his physicality and he knew, I'm dying. If I keep up this size changing, I'm going to die. Like, the strain on my heart and everything is too big. So he mm. quits. But then he, he somehow, I don't know if it's ever addressed, but he comes back and he's like, I'm fine now. <laughs> so he must have scienced his way out of it. I'm fine. Science is a verb. That's fine. Underwater, Janet struggles to rescue Scott, but finally returns him to normal size and drags him out. Looking around the building for Scott, Luis is ambushed by Birch and his men. Before the bodyguards can shoot Luis, they are suddenly tased from behind by Kurt and Dave, allowing Luis to sucker punch Birch. Foster arrives at the site of the enlarged lab and runs in, knowing Ava is inside. Foster begs her to stop her plans to absorb Janet's quantum energy. But Ava sees no other way and throws Foster aside before activating her chamber and stepping inside. As Hank and Janet are almost back, Janet starts to suffer immense pain and phases like Ava. In her chamber, Ava can feel her power growing stronger. So I know Ghost has done some bad stuff, but, I, you know, as we said, I get the motivations. Like, if I was in constant pain, I, I would definitely rob banks for a cure. The real villain here is the uh, American healthcare system that should have taken care of this, you know. Mm. Yeah, true. American healthcare system again, but on the plus side, breaking bad. <laughs> Bursting through to the lab, Scott and Hope quickly work at shutting down Ava's chamber. 
Enraged, Ava attacks them both, putting up one hell of a fight. Suddenly, Hank's vessel returns with Scott, enlarging himself to scoop an injured Hope out of the way, leaving Ava to be hit instead. Stepping out of the wreckage, Janet hugs Hope, both of them in tears, finally seeing each other again. As Hope goes to get her dad from the wreckage, Scott and Janet share a unique first meeting. But the next second, Ghost gets up from the wreckage, but before she can do anything, Janet approaches her, hands held out, feeling Ava's pain. Using her newfound powers, Janet holds Ava's head in her hands and voluntarily transfers some of her quantum energy to Ava, curing her of her affliction. As Ava starts tearing up and Foster watches in relief, Louise bursts in and tells them that the cops are coming. Yay, happy ending. <laughs> Everyone gets a happy ending. You get a happy ending. Everyone's happy. I love it. That's lovely. I don't know. The cops are coming. The cops are coming. Ah, it's trivial. It's trivial. trivial. The cop, he's, he's, he's Ant-Man. Come on. Just cops. What happens to Ghost in the original stories then? Could we covered about how Ghost goes absolutely mad and becomes a conspiracy theorist and whatnot? Well, that's way down the line. Um, the, the original sort of ending for Ghost, which we thought was the ending for the Ghost, was that Tony Stark, like finally takes the offensive um against this this thing that's haunting him and he sets mm. up a trap um the beta particle generator is mm. what ghost has been sent to destroy or steal um because it's meant to be it's going to be this incredible game changing thing for stark industries so Iron Man like corners the ghost in the room with the beta particle generator mm. and it's pumping out so much radiation it's interfering with the ghost tech and mm. the ghost is can't turn in talent in invisible can't turn intangible um so he's like ah right i've got him cornered but um iron man's like we can't I can't stay in this i've destroyed your ghost tech you can't escape but also we need to get out of this room now because the radiation <laughs> is gonna kill us but Ghost is sworn to bring down Stark and he hates capitalism so much. Like, <laughs> nothing will stop me from destroying this thing which will make you a lot of money. <laughs> so he just stays in the room, gets closer and closer to the generator and and apparently the intense heat from the the radiation kills him. Ooh, it causes the floor, the floor to melt. Ooh. The ghost falls through the floor and Iron Man only finds a burnt, ruined ghost costume left behind. Though so everyone is like, well, the ghost is definitely dead. His body has been completely torn apart by the radiation and atomized. But against mm. all scientific evidence, Tony is like, no, the ghost is out there somewhere still. He's going to get me. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. Outside, the cops approach Kurt and Dave standing over Birch and his men tied up against the car. But thanks to the truth serum Kurt and Dave had administered, Birch and his men admit to all crimes they have committed, including a few minor ones too. As everyone exits the lab, Scott has an idea. As Jimmy Woo turns a corner, sirens blaring, he sees the giant form of Scott in his Ant-Man suit. Jimmy tells the giant being that he's under arrest, but Scott sneaks away in his underwear. Suddenly, the suit, which was empty, collapses and shrinks out of sight. Another disappearing act. As everyone is able to escape... Ava, still weak with pain, tells Foster to leave her, but a father figure will not let her go. I knew the suit would flop over. You just know that. You can see it happening, but it's glorious to watch all the same. <laughs> this huge suit falling onto the floor in the street. So, Giant Man, how does he grow without ripping his costume apart? Because the Hulk rips his costume apart, uh, but not Giant Man. Is that ever explained in the comic books? Is it some kind of Fantastic Four-esque 
stretchy suit or something. Yes, it's on on stable molecules. So the practicalities of a a superhuman world on things like clothes are problematic for those writing comics. (laughs) Johnny Storm covers himself in fire every time he uses his powers. Why is he not naked when he flames off? Why does the Shields costume not get ruined in a devastating street fight? And how does the Invisible Woman turn invisible when she's wearing clothes? Um, yeah. All of these problems and all future problems were retroactively solved in 1962, the sixth issue of the Fantastic Four, when Reed Richards introduces the Marvel Universe to a synthetic material made from unstable molecules. <laughs> and cloth made from unstable molecules mimics its wearer's physical properties and interacts with the kind of... Uh, temperature and energy and heat and things around them. It, it's it's resilient to drastic changes in temperature and pressure and density and dirt. It's basically um, super lycra. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe, but yeah, it can also turn like- invisible. Um, yeah, super lycra. So it's uh, ideal for superhuman costumes. I'm just going to ignore him yeah. and talk over him, folks. Uh, Reed <laughs> shares his invention with the superhuman community. <laughs> Um, and it conveniently explains away a lot of the practical issues. So it grows with Giant Man um, mm. as he wears it. But over in the Ultimate Marvel Universe, things are a lot more like the real world. In the Ultimate Marvel Universe, when Hank Pym tries to join a meeting of wannabe heroes called the Defenders, they all ask him, why are you not arriving in your costume so we know who you are? And he's like... My costume's ten stories high. <laughs> I have to keep it in a secure lockup at Shields. I have to become a giant first before I can put it on. It's That's a giant amazing. costume. Um, yes, for more fun with the practicalities of the Avengers, check out our episode on the Ultimate Avengers. The Ultimates in our, on Patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. Fantastic. Barging down the store of Scott's home, Jimmy and his agents rush in, only to find Scott playing his electric drums with headphones on. Instead of catching Scott violating the terms of his home arrest, it's actually time for Scott to be released. As Jimmy removes the ankle tag from Scott, he's still certain that Scott was up to something. With his newfound freedom, Scott visits Cassie and his family. Excon lands an important deal with a client. On a beach, Hank presents Janet with a dream house that he enlarged from a box. Watching a drive-in movie with Cassie, Scott and Hope start a relationship. So that that house just gets the house from a box on a beach. It doesn't goes need big. planning permission. Doesn't need plan- <laughs> doesn't doesn't need to sign up with the local council or something. And Maybe say, this he is, bought this, that this land. Maybe he owns that land. And it just didn't show the the, the admin. You okay, know. he did have to be fair. He did have money for all the parts for that yeah, quantum lab. Yeah, yeah he could have. Maybe he could. But maybe he could have also, you know, afforded the money to buy a house <laughs> instead of. Hey, look, 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 look! Where, where, where's our new home? Hey, watch it, watch it! Hey, big house! <laughs> I'm concerned about a house that is not connected to any. It has no foundations. It has yep. no pipes. Yep. You're gonna you're gonna go to the toilet, are you, Hank Pym? Where's your poo poo gonna go when you flush it? Huh? Do you, know what they, do you know what they've done? No they've sewage, got, no drainage. They've got quantum pipes. <laughs> All that poo goes to the quantum realm. That's why... You turn the tap on to have a nice glass of water. What? There's no nothing coming up. You've got no pipes. A house is not a house without pipes. That's my my old man used to say. <laughs> <laughs> All I can think now is a razor head. Anyway, finally, 
Later on the roof of the lab, Hank, Janet, and Scott, Hank, Janet, Hope, and Scott experiment with a smaller quantum tunnel built into the back of Luis's van. Scott, in the Ant-Man suit, readies up and is transported into the quantum realm to harvest quantum energy in a plan to help Ava remain stable. As they open up comms with Scott, he responds back before collecting the energy. With healing particles secured, the team prepares to bring him back, counting down. But seconds before Hope reaches zero... The comms turn to static. Scott wonders where they have suddenly gone, assuming it's a joke. But back on the rooftop, Hank, Janet and Hope have turned to dust. Due to Thanos' snap, Scott Lang is stranded in the quantum realm. When I first saw that at home, I, I pretty much yelled at the TV. I was like, no! I was proper, like, distraught. Wow. Because like, I did not see that coming. And it was just like, after a wonderfully, wonderfully uh, fun adventure, you get this horrible gut punch. Yeah, <laughs> really, really effective. Really effective. Great. It really, it, oh, it's just tremendous. So Scott ends this movie having lost all his friends and tragically his daughter. Does anything like this happen to him in the comics? Cassie dies. Oh, no. So um, Scott dies. And then um, Cassie finds out a way to bring him back from the dead um, mm. through through time travel. Yeah, but then oh. they are only briefly reunited because right after doing that, Cassie is killed by Doctor Doom. Bloody um, hell! So it's really, really it, it breaks the Young Avengers apart. Um, Iron Lad um, disappears. Um, uh, the Vision is also killed and destroyed. The Vision was in... There's a teen version of The Vision when they reboot him. What's he called? The Vision, but he's oh. a teen. He's a, he's a kid. Teen oh, Vision, let's call him that. I don't know. Teen Vision. <laughs> that sounds like and a terrible 80s show. He's in a relationship with Cassie, and oh. the Young Avengers are like, oh, we could rebuild The Vision. And they went, if we rebuild him and restore his memories, we're going to have to tell him that Cassie's dead. Yeah. It's better to just leave him dead. Um, <laughs> it's dark, but fair enough. They the team disband. The Avengers build a statue in Cassie's honor in the in mm. the gardens of the mansion. Um, years later, um, Scott is because he could she brought him back from the dead. Then she died. He's leading. He's asked to lead a new version of the Fantastic Four, and he agrees Ooh. so that he can devote the all the resources of the Fantastic Four to punishing Doom for murdering oh. his daughter. I was going to say, to finally bring his daughter back. No, revenge. No. So Scott <laughs> has the Fantastic Four, the new Fantastic Four, invade Latveria. Oh, God. He blows up Castle Doom. He scans Doom's mind in preparation for this and leaks all of Doom's secrets across the internet. No. So Doom loses, like, hackers, like, raid all his bank accounts, all his hidden arsenals across the globe are gone. Um... But Scott also does something that even Hank Pym never did. He unlocks the hidden secrets about Pym particles. So Scott Lang determines that the the Pym particle is capable of affecting not only a user's size, but also their strength and durability. Hmm. Um, The vision owes his density-altering abilities to Pym particles. The vision is able to make himself incredibly strong, as hard as diamond, by altering his density, that's using a pin particle. The um, Wonder Man's abilities are also um, 
uh, based on a version of pin particles. So the, the we learned the Lang family tree. The reason Scott Lang was able to um, use uh, pin particles so well, and nobody else kind of is, other than Hank, is that his family line is just happens to be genetically able to assimilate pin particles very well. <laughs> so he discovers that that you can increase your strength using pin particles, hmm. and he does it to make himself strong enough to fight Doctor Doom. Jeez. To to withstand energy blasts and, mm. and weapons deployed by Doom. And so he does that in advance and he attacks Doom and he he asks Doom to take all his armor off and fight him without powers man to man. And Doom's not going to do that. Because <laughs> he thinks this is just pathetic little Ant-Man, a mere distraction. And Scott Lang's like, ah, I gave you a chance. And then he rips Doom's armor from his body. Ooh, God. Rips the face plate, plate off Doom. Jeez. And then just beats him. Beats him. As a man with super strength to a man that doesn't have super strength, he just beats him. Wow. And he rip, he verbally tears Doom apart as well. He says Doom hides behind castles, walls, and tech armor, and only ever takes on someone like Reed Richards, a gentleman adventurer. And he's like, <laughs> I'm not Reed. Reed's a nice guy. I'm an ex-con. I survived prison. <laughs> and he beats Doom until Doom verbally surrenders and begs for mercy. Ant-Man beats Doctor Doom. Well, there we have it. Thank you, Will, for ably taking us through Ant-Man and the Wasp, the fallout from Infinity War, on our march towards Endgame. Not long now, folks. Um... That was great. I really enjoyed that. I'd love to know um, your final thoughts on this movie. Oh, what 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 do I? What can I say? I mean, I, I can't believe I held off seeing this movie as I really enjoyed it even more on the second time round. There was so much more to enjoy and notice again. Sure, the stakes get yeah, they kind of are lower. The action is more at street level, which is a step back after Infinity War, but it really delivers. It it, it delivers perfectly. Everything that made the first film witty and entertaining is still there. And there's plenty of laugh-out-loud moments. The post credit scene, though, is, uh, is the much-needed gut punch to remind you that what's going on at the time in the MCU and why we often need these smaller films in between hulking crossover events. Thank you, Will. And your, your what favourite pieces of trivia that you've learned today from our, from our uh, explosion through the Marvel Universe? Well, I loved hearing that bit just now about uh, Doctor Doom getting his ass handed to him. Yeah, by superpowered Scott Lang, that was incredible. Uh, I also uh, liked hearing about uh, Jimmy Woo being more a more bigger character than I, I, I thought. They just invented him for the TV show and mm. stuff and TV and films. I that's amazing. But as we as we all know, favorite one would be Egghead putting a bomb inside <laughs> uh, a fake arm to give to an amputee. <laughs> a trap. Arm he blew off. <laughs> yeah, which is just, that's just mean, but hilarious. You fell from the old exploding arm trick. <laughs> um, reading this for this episode, um, if you want stuff about uh, the ghost, um, check out uh, David Michelin Iron Man collections. Um, and also check out the Thunderbolts Dark Reign for the older, very paranoid um, ghost. Um, I recommend Astonishing X-Men, 
Astonishing Ant-Man by Nick Spencer. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a famous comic series called Astonishing X-Men, so it's in my head. Astonishing Ant-Man by Nick Spencer is really good, Ant-Man. For stuff about Cassie, you should check out Young Avengers by Alan Heinberg and also The Children Crusade by Alan Heinberg. And to close that off and see, um, and see Ant-Man kick Doctor Doom's ass, a really great Scott Lang stuff is in FF by Matt Fraction. It's not called Fantastic Four. It's just called FF. It's a great series. Wonderful art by Mike Alrad. Um, next episode, well, I mean, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we've got some wonderful things for you in December. As we said before, on the 18th of December, we've got the X-Men Super Show, which is going to be two hours long, featuring all the best from our X-Men episodes. We're going to take you through the history of the X-Men, Wolverine, Deadpool, Cable, x-force the new mutants it's all fun with a two-hour x-men super show on christmas day we're going to give you all the live show that we did earlier this year as we go into the marvel multiverse what if alternate dimensions um that's for you on christmas day january 1st it's a special release of one of our very very key and wonderful bonus episodes amalgam comics which sees the marvel universe merging with the dc universe marvel characters merging with dc characters it's one of the best bonus episodes we've done that's coming to you on january 1st ho 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 enjoy the festive season and we'll see you in 2024 Marvel vs. Marvel was researched, written and performed by Rob Holden and Will Preston. The show was produced by Will Preston and our theme song was composed and performed by Dan Walsh. Head to patreon.com slash marvel vs. marvel for awesome bonus content.